Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! You hear the sound of those sirens, y'all. That can only mean one thing. It's time for another edition of the Outsider's Edge podcast here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Thank y'all for listening. This is your boy, Mr. Kyle Morris, and I am joined, as always, by the Kenny to my coach, Mr. Ray Cash Rance Morris. How you doing there, big dog? What's happening, bitch? Talking about in this motherfucking... No, I'm playing. What's up, man? <laughs> well, you know... It's an interesting it's an interesting week for us here at the Outsiders Edge Studios because y'all know we record this show. Uh, we started recording the show on Tuesdays. And so last Tuesday we recorded our regular episode and we were real excited about what we were putting out. And I still think we put out a quality show last week. But then Wednesday happened and all of a sudden everything that we talked about on Tuesday felt like not big news anymore. Yep. And, you know, I want to just say this. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. I'm going to preface it with that. It's not their fault. But man, AEW talk about opening forbidden doors, and all of a sudden, doors are closing. Is it not their fault, though? Well, I mean, you know what? In this particular case, 
It is their fault. They done put Ring of Honor out of business. So, okay. Let's let's have a nuanced conversation about this. You're let's, right. And to let's, be fair, Ring of Honor's not out of business. They're on hiatus and have released literally all of their talent and will allegedly, if the rumors are to be believed, be returning as more of a real indie indie with not like long-term guaranteed contracts, but per appearance deals and shit like that, which is in April, which is, you know, just before we get into the nuance, let me just say this. People give WWE a lot of shit for cutting talents and stuff as because they're a billion dollar company and ring of honor did right by their talent during the pandemic. I want to give them credit for that. They did. But this fucking company is about to fire everybody and go on hiatus, and they're owned by a billion-dollar entertainment industry. I think that's why they get a pass, though. And they don't, they don't get a full pass. Well, Ring of Honor gets a pass. Sinclair doesn't get anything. I think Ring of Honor gets oh, a I pass. Oh, I blame Sinclair from the. I blame Sinclair for everything. Yes. Everything that has happened Absolutely. to Ring of Honor. We're gonna joke about the AEW, and AEW in their own way played a role in what became the bigger issue. Yes. But the ultimate blame for everything rests with Sinclair Broadcasting because this is a company that had the resources and the finances that if they wanted to invest in Ring of Honor and wanted Ring of Honor to really be there, Ring of Honor could have done been what AEW has become in the sense of it would have been way easier for Sinclair Broadcasting Mm-hmm. To secure a television deal with Reach, it would have been way easier for Sinclair Broadcasting to be able to prove, oh, no, we can perform with these demos and we can do this. And you can believe us because we run all of these successful television companies. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, companies have shown they care enough. Uh, Anthem cared enough about Impact to buy Access TV just to put them on TV. And Impact has become stable. They they ain't blowing down no barriers or like killing the business or anything, but they have stabilized. Mm-hmm. They have stabilized because the real difference the real difference between Anthem as an owner and Panda as an owner wasn't even so much about money because I think Panda has more money sure. than Anthem does. Sure, but the difference is exactly what you said. Anthem cares. Anthem wanted Impact, cared about Impact, and was like, you know what? If we buy them a distributor. And give them stable housing, we can at least let them cultivate the audience they got. Well, well, that and Randy Orton has uh, made famous the joke, Jacksonville Dixie for Tony Khan. But Dixie Carter is truly the negative example of what Tony Khan could be if things don't go right. Because while Dixie was gung-ho 100% in, the Carter family was not. This was a venture for her that eventually did not make financial sense anymore. You know what I do give Dixie credit for, though? Legit, I do give Dixie credit for. Dixie still cheerleads like a motherfucker for Impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I give her a lot of of credit for that because it would be real easy after you got all that egg on your face because you fell for Jeff Jarrett twice. Like, we got to get them chuckles in, honey. You fell for Jeff twice. (laughs) Like, he shystered you into buying a failing company once. You took that company turned it into something decent, and then he shystered you into merging with his dead-ass bullshit, 
and rebranding under his dead ass bullshit. And then got signed by WWE. Tip the fuck out. The grift is on. It is legendary. It is. It is. But I'm saying, so like, like we gonna laugh at Dixie for that, but it would be real easy after all of that and after Billy Corgan had to rescue you and finance your company and then you got bought out by a Canadian entertainment company at a time when the Canadian dollar was not strong. Um... It would be real easy to turn tail and run and distance yourself like shit from that promotion because nobody in any of the circles that you run in would have known or cared. But, but it goes to shit out here. Just, I love Impact. Everything they do is great. I love these performers. I'm here for this company. They're so awesome. It goes to show you the right person at the wrong time in the wrong situation. Because she cared about that company. She cares about the, that talent. Now, she, she was, did not have the right situation. And I don't think it was the right time because the one thing Tony has over her is Tony was a wrestling fan and, and had ingratiated himself in the culture. So that when he created, a, when he started his company, he was already basically one of the boys. Dixie well, didn't know shit about wrestling. Well, and to bring it back to what we really wanted to talk about here, which is mm-hmm. Ring of Honor. Yeah. They didn't have any of that. Like I'm the cops Sinclair. Care. Sinclair never cared. No. That and, and that's, that's what I mean. Problem. And that's what I really meant is they didn't have any of that because at the end of the day, Dixie and TK were ownership. Yes. Vince is ownership. Yes. Like the thing that you know the successful companies all have in common is ownership cared. Mm-hmm. Dixie was ownership and now Anthem is. They care. Fucking Joe Tony is ownership. Yeah. He cares. Vince's ownership, he cares. Fucking, you know, the only exception is ghetto, but that's because Japan is different. Well, true, but Bushi Road really gives a shit about because they're, they're well. One that's of their what I was gonna say. Bushi Road cares. Yeah. So like the financer cares. Sinclair never cared. Joe Coff does because it was always his baby. Mm-hmm. So he always cared, but Sinclair never cared, and that's why Ring of Honor was always even at the height. We had a recurring segment for months of me shitting on Ring of Honor for being a company with all these amazing performers and all these great, like, potential moments, and moments shows. and fan interests and all of this shit. And they were bankrolled by a company that refused to invest even a little bit in them. So I have five reasons why Ring of Honor died. And I say died. And I'm, I'm Cody. Matt, <laughs> Mitch, Kenny, and, and, and Adam, go ahead and throw <laughs> Hangman in there. Yes, that's our boy, but hey, no, that so. No, okay. you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. So, the first reason for sure, I think, is NXT. Mm-hmm. Yes, Be- yes. Because all of the guys who got hot in Ring of Honor went to NXT, and NXT kind of took that, 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 that was the first leash. wave. Well, and that was the first wave of the Ring of Honor talent exodus. The first yes. wave of the Ring of Honor talent exodus. Um, because prior to that, I mean, it happened almost immediately prior to that to the point where, like, it was almost not noticeable. But, like, right before that, TNA stopped the working relationship and did not allow their people to continue like aj had to stop working ring of honor for a while okay yeah and cmg had to stop for a while but that was not the big thing 
WWE starts NXT. So then next thing you know, Generico's gone. Tyler Black is gone. Claudio's gone. Kevin Steen is gone. Um, you know, Punk and Joe had already left. So, like, this, this whole generation of performers left for... The, I'm talking before Roddy. So I'm just talking for the first iteration of NXT. Got you. Okay. Then NXT catches fire. Yeah. Which, like, I even give a lot of the credit for that. Really, the credit for that belongs to New Japan more than it does to the Ring of Honor stars because what really, like, the two stars that really, you know, Sammy was the heart and soul of NXT, but the two stars that really helped them catch fire the way that they did were Finn and Shinsuke. Facts. Facts. Like, the Shinsuke Sammy Zayn match at, was that Dallas? Take over Dallas. Like, that is forever burned in my mind as like that moment that the wrestling fandom as a collective was just like, Oh, like, are y'all watching this developmental show that WWE does? Cause like they just had Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura wrestle this like amazing fucking match. And that's the same show with American alpha and is it the revival? No, I think this was, no, you're right. Yeah, it was revival. This is a crazy because that was the final of the dusty classic and it was before no. they were the revival the fi- the final of the dusty classic was joe no, you're right that was finn and joe that's finn and joe uh and that's what caused joe and finn to have beef mm-hmm. because right. joe was like i don't we did this now it was my title shot uh but yeah that was a crazy night that was a, just a ridiculous night so like then so like then at that point NXT really catches fire and so once that happens and WWE goes into the talent grab mode that they went into it almost instantly became anybody that got hot mm-hmm. in Ring of Honor either immediately bolted for NXT or they got picked up to New Japan dates as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um so then you have Bucks, Kama Young and Paige, comma, Hangman, yes. Yeah, they went the New Japan route, and then going the NXT route, you've got Red Dragon, you've got Adam Cole, you've got Roddy. Um, so, like, all these people start getting swooped up. Then, I'm, well, so mm-hmm. then, you're right. So then, I think we get into probably one of your second death nils. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. Um, all in. Slash I'm gonna say AEW as a whole. AEW. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say all in because that leads to AEW. Yes. Which takes the rest of the known part of the talent pool. Spot on. Um, and all in was the reason all in was a death knell. It it just as that particular show is because it did that as they did it as a yeah I'm gonna look out for you today. And it is a yeah I got you back up as a as a not a make good but as a yeah yeah we'll, we'll look out for you. And then they took that and finagled that into getting their own company. Well, not only that, but it's also a death knell because anytime you loan your production equipment to your talent and your talent draws a bigger crowd than you ever did at any point in your history. It says a lot. Without really marketing the show. There was never a television commercial for it. They just Twittered the IWC. Yeah, that's... By the way, that's still the most amazingly booked show, I think, in history. It was an amazingly booked show. It also I don't mean was good. I'm just saying, like, um, like how the fuck did this thing Right moment, 
right moment, right time. The fan yeah. base was so desperate and jaded and like wanted so badly mm-hmm. for there to be any kind of viable alternative because you know, at that point, you know, we were in the height of WWE does whatever the fuck they want, however the fuck they want, no matter how many times we've seen it before. Um, and so we were all like just ready for an alternative. It was the right names. This was before, you know, people had soured on the shtick. Mm-hmm. BTE was really hot at the time. Yeah, one hundred percent, and you're spot on, and and so to further with the all in slash a the AEW part of it, AEW as a whole didn't do anything particular, but they stole the space that a that Ring of Honor existed in, because they were Ring of Honor was always that niche that if you don't like WWE but you like more New Japan stuff with some stories, hey, come to Ring of Honor. And AEW was like, oh, yeah, we got that. Plus, we got a bigger budget than we're on TNT. And so I think that hurt a lot of perception, not to mention the Forbidden Door is open to every company in the business but Ring of Honor. That looks bad on Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really does. Uh, didn't think about that, did you? I had thought about it, but... It's one of those things that, like, I had thought about, but I wasn't sure if it was that the Forbidden Door wasn't open to Ring of Honor or that Ring of Honor was like, man, fuck y'all. We gave y'all our production crew, and for a lot of y'all, we gave y'all your first actual exposure yeah. to an a- to a major audience, and y'all just, like, started your own fucking company and took all of our talent and got a TV slot? You Look, it very well may be that, and it could be both. But I'll tell you this. The one thing that talks universally between languages, barriers, and issues is moolah dinero. Um, so, okay. So, number three, Sinclair. We spoke about that. Can you, guess, can you guess number four and number five? What, what's number four, you think, in my, from, my, from my vantage point? You keep poor company? I don't know. So, uh, so let's, for number four, I want to I want to go to the G1 Supercard. Oh, I was, uh, okay, okay, we can get to G1 Supercard. I had a thought, but it, you can, I'm sure it's probably wrong. My thought was, remember that time that they made Marty Skrull the head of everything, and then Marty Skrull got caught up into a scandal? We get into that. <laughs> we get, that's, that's partially part of number five. Um, but I, I say the G1 Supercard because the G1 Supercard is the day New, New Japan realized, the fuck are we doing? Oh, yeah, that destroyed their partnership, be- especially because all of the people from All In at that point were already out for AEW. So that meant no Bucks on this card, no Kenny on this card, no Hangman on this card. We both like the dude. But when Matt Taven is the guy you crown at the end of the night as your champion and the guy... On a night that has Okada winning the title in MSG from Jay White, Matt Taven's a good hand, and he's a good wrestler. And he was a good Ring of Honor champion, I think. But wow, bro. Not to mention, yeah. that's also the same It's also the same show where Finn and Bully had that horrible, prolonged match 
and bully booked the Enzo and Cass jump jump in and nobody Way knew about it. Way too soon. And, and nobody but nobody knew about it. Remember? They well, just I jumped the rails. I do remember and, and like I, the brisk well, those guys, I'm sorry. And um I'm well, sorry. No, yeah. we'll we'll no we'll we'll acknowledge them under their nickname, but not their actual names. We yes. can just call them Dem Boys. Dem boys. And um I don't know if so much evil in Sonata, but like Tama and Tango were about to beat their ass because nobody knew that was happening. People thought that was a shoot. Man, it's crazy how Cass was able to resurrect his career by distancing distancing himself from Enzo and acknowledging his demons. You know, that is true. By the way, Enzo is uh, debuting for GCW, I think. Coming you up. know, I hope for him that he is also able to, like, really become a better person. And, yeah. like... In in his case, legitimately, and if he's gonna be doing like indies, this is gonna have to happen. Homie, you're gonna yeah. have to learn to actually wrestle. You were able to get by in WWE not being able to wrestle for shit and being yep. a good ass talker because of the way that the company works. They yep. literally gave you 205 Live. Yeah. They bitch Drew Gulak. They made him your patsy. A man who could wrestle around you in his sleep. Yep. And had yeah. a fire gimmick at the time. The PowerPoints were hilarious. Yeah, they got put on uh, pay-per-view pre-shows because it was so good. So, like, you know, you could get away with that in WWE. That ain't going to fly on these indies, dog. You right. And Unless you do GCW and do a bunch of death matches because, like, then nobody gives a shit if you're good at anything as long as you bust yourself up. GCW isn't. A huge deathmatch promotion, like I would not GCW, MLW. Okay, I was gonna say GCW. We talking about the yeah. same? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Court Bauer. I think it's MLW. Maybe GC. He would fit more in GCW. I think than MLW. I do too. No, I do too. Yeah, if he's willing he's to do around. hardcore, st- if he's willing to do hardcore style, yeah, the his promo and presentation because his look, like that white trash look, would fly in GCW. And look what it's done for. Uh, Ryder, Cardona. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, the two things I think that have helped Enzo as of late are one, he showed that he was such a good friend to cast when it should happen because he took care of him really well, I think. And two, he just shut the fuck up for a while. That is true. That is true. Lesson to everybody. Sometimes it's okay to just stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's fixed. Because if you listen to the dude have interviews, he, when Enzo stops talking and Eric starts talking, you're like, I like this dude. And then Enzo comes back and you're like, shut the fuck up. So, um, well, it also helps when you stop talking after you've been fired because it's like, okay, you've gotten a consequence. Now go the fuck away. Yes, and get over that shit. Try again later. Yeah. He'll never go back. Nope. After that shit he did, nope. whatever. Oh, no, he's done with WWE, but that don't mean you can't make money in wrestling. Facts. Yes, that's what I mean. He'll never go. I think he's blackballed from Vince. So number five is self-inflicted wounds. The Marty Squirrel thing. Bully Ray booking that didn't go so well. Um, Choosing to stick with a niche um, wrestling style that does not breed well with storytelling. Never improving production value. Like, Ever. Ever. 
You could watch a you could watch an ROH show from 2005 and an ROH show from 2020, and literally the only thing that will change is after a certain time, HD cameras were the only kind. Well, I was gonna say uh, Rick Abani is now man <laughs> the, no, the, the commentator. One most valuable free agent to come he out. Uh, no, but seriously, like that's the conversation I want to have. Like more than I want to have, I want to have two talks about Ring yeah. of Honor. Um, and we'll do this after we take a break because I feel like we bullshit for a really long time. So we'll take a break first. Um, but I want to do two things for Ring of Honor. Number one, what is going to be when you look back at Ring of Honor? What is going to be your top Ring of Honor moment or memory? Okay. And then number two, let's conjecture not where people are going because like we have no fucking idea but let's just talk about who are some of the like every company in any company is going to be lucky to have people because they got a lot of them okay on that roster i'm with it all right so cool. we uh we go we, we we go on the break we gonna sell some shirts or something yeah we're gonna go sell some merch you know go to pro wrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot get you a t-shirt get you some fine ass merch you know support the people who support your you know whatever listening habits you have um but we gotta pay some bills y'all promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chairshot to save 10 percent that's angrylemonade.net are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot, get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. You know, thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. And while you're at it, you should also rate and review us. Give us five stars, man. Don't only give us four stars. As Bomani Jones said, I'm inclined to believe that you are a hater. Um, that's, a, that's a fair inclination. So let's get into just to put a bow on Ring of Honor for, for the time being. Let's get into the first one. For you... What is going to be your enduring either moments or memory for Ring of Honor? I think I won't count the G1 Supercar as their biggest moment because they didn't sell that building out. Ring of Honor did. But Supercard of Honor, when they had Cody versus Kenny. Mm. And and they had the dumb, just typical in Ring of Honor fashion. As I'm giving them credit, they did something stupid. Kenny and Cody didn't in the night. They ended the night with Marty Scurll versus Dalton Castle yeah, and Dalton did Castle that. beat Marty when Marty was at his hottest. They but did do that. Oh my but gosh. that that show 
was there because that they they sold the most they'd ever sold. They went head to head with NXT Takeover, and a lot of people chose that show because of how rare you get to see Kenny versus uh, Cody, and I think um, it was Ishi versus Punishment Martinez, aka Damian Priest, and I think it was Hangman Page versus Kota Ibushi. It was like a dumb, stupid, great card. It was an absurd. They had a ladder war, didn't they? With the I think Bucks, so, yeah. SCU and one other team. It wasn't them boys. I can't remember who the other team was, but it was it was a triple threat team. It just it's just it was a stupid great card. Um, it was absurdly good. That was a good one. My favorite moment though, and you're not gonna like it because it involves one of those two guys. But oh, was uh, it when one of them became world champion? No, no, I don't care about. I mean, the older brother had a really good run. He did. But um, when, for those listening, I apologize. But Jay, there was a Jay and uh, Adam Cole had a match at Final Battle, and Jay put and he put some uh, tax. It was a fight without honor. Put some tax in Adam Cole's mouth and super kicked him. And Adam Cole spit the tax out. I had never seen that shit before. I audibly jumped out of my seat and gasped. <laughs> I I clutched at my pearls. Yeah. So I'll never forget that. But I'm not a. The only other thing I could think of is old R Ring of Honor that I didn't watch, like the Joe Kobayashi series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Morishima knocking out Danielson's eye. Necro Butcher literally almost dying because Joe was trying to kill him. That did happen. Like it, there was there was the summer of punk. Yeah, the original summer of punk. There's some great moments. I mean, the House of Truth, Prince oh, Nana. Man. I don't There's know. Some great stuff. I don't know how high. I don't know how high Tony and Vince are gonna bid against each other for that tape library, but ooh, ooh. Vince will, Vince will, Vince will definitely throw a bid at because. So many of the guys that ran that company from 2002 to 2010 worked for WWE or w- made their biggest names in WWE. Danielson, Joe, AJ, Punk, um, Nigel, McGinnis. Vince will also make a play for it because, all right, like Vince didn't want Evolve as badly. He didn't want MLW as badly. Like none of those companies have the tape library that Ring of Honor has. If we taught like... For better or for worse, for the better part of its entire existence, Ring of Honor was always at least the third biggest company in North America Mm -hmm. in its existence. And it did spawn so many of the, like, all-time greats of the era. Put it like this, brother. Ring of Modern wrestling came from Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. The indie style, the PWG style, the AW NXT style originated in Ring of Honor. I would agree with that. So like and WWE loves to do documentaries. Loves to do documentaries. Not not only would that be a good documentary, but that gives them the ability to make like really good quality Seth Rollins documentaries and Cesaro documentaries and Samoa Joe documentaries. And they could redo the Daniel Bryan and CM Punk shit with like an extended catalog. I'm here for it. I'd Um, love to see it. But Um, Tony is also going to back up that Brinks track. 
Not no, because he wants all in. Yeah, he wants, if nothing else, he wants the branding rights to all in. Yeah. Um, so, and he wants to make sure that Vince doesn't ever counter-program him by playing all in, because that's the petty shit I'd do. <laughs> um, look, we, we joked about this in a personal text, but like, I'm the type, I'm the type of petty, I'm the, I'm the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers type dude, that I would put all in every Wednesday at 7 o'clock on the network. And and right before every every uh, AEW pay per view, just cause. Uh, but like, so that's gonna be the gem for me. My top moment for Ring of Honor. It's a selfish one. It's also a Supercard of Honor. Um, my top moment. I was at the Supercard of Honor, where the Bucks and the Broken Hardies had their epic ladder match showdown in Orlando. In Orlando. And that uh, that card started with Adam Cole versus Marty. Um, that was the first match. Yeah, that was the start of the show. God damn. Yeah, Blink and you would have missed it. Um, and I just remember I had so much fucking fun, and that ladder match was so epic. Like one of the Matt best I've ever had. Matt and Nick are petty assholes, and they're annoying as shit. But like from an in-ring standpoint, they make art, and so and so do Matt and Jeff. So like, it was a beautiful match. It was a wonderful show. And then the next night, Matt and Jeff had their WrestleMania return moment, and everybody knew it was coming, and we still marked out like crazy anyway. Um, can can I can I tell you one more one more that pops in my mind? Yeah, you mentioned Matt and Jeff, the wildest shit I've ever seen on a wrestling show that was script that was actually scripted. Was the super kick party when Matt, Jeff, and Adam Cole and Tomatonga and everybody super kicked everybody ringside? They had so many super kicks. There was a super kick counter at the bottom right. It's the funniest shit I think I've seen in wrestling. I ever. mean, it's I so gotta give, I mean, I give another thing. We bring up Matt Hardy, man. Ring of Honor was the birth of Big Money Matt. It was, and you know what? That's the thing that gave him back goodwill after all that bullshit he pulled. Not only was it the thing that gave him back the goodwill after all that bullshit he pulled, but, like, legitimately, Broken Matt is hilarious, and I give Broken Matt all the props for the, just the pure creativity of it all. Sure, sure. But if we just talk his best work, his best character work, his best ring work, his best complete persona, Big Money Matt was money. Proof of that? To to give you to give That's people proof the of what you're saying. Of Matt, that is the Hardy family office. Whereas simpatico. Yeah, that's the version of Matt that is the Hardy family office. The whole reason that the Hardy family office thing is a giant dollar sign is he's just like, oh, I'll just go back to being big money Matt because like I'm too old to be in the ring now and I I can't fight, but I can make you them dollars. Are are we are we missing any? Gems here. Roddy had a great run, Mr. ROH. Yo, Mr. ROH. Oh, oh, oh. We would be remiss talking about Ring of Honor without giving... Well, yes. Without giving shout-outs to Jay Lethal and Truth Martini. True. Yeah, I said House of Truth. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like, we would would just be remiss if... Also, I will give them a shout out for being where Mike and Maria met, and that was really great for both of them. So, like... the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all know Adam Cole, baby. Do you know Adam Cole? Kingdom. I like to take it back before Mm -hmm. like Future Shock, then the the Kingdom. So um, that that's where Bullet Club started in America. 
was really like, oversight. They have some gems, bro. Really, let's put a bow on it with this. And it's really true. If you can think of a major moment in wrestling from the last 25 years that didn't happen, that happened in North America, and it didn't happen in WWE, AEW, or Impact, that was some shit that happened in Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor got more than Impact does. Does. Ring of Honor has so many great things, like so many great moments, so many great performers, so much history. Like we literally could sit here for over an hour and just wax poetic about the great moments of Ring of Honor. And also wax philosophical about all of the different times that they like killed their own momentum or shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, man. I man, yeah. So, but at the end of the day, like, the real tragedy of this whole thing is all of those performers are being released. Um, their contracts are being honored throughout the end of the year. And the, long, the long-term ones, longer term go ones to, will go through April, I think they said. March 31st, April 1st, yeah. Same yeah. Um, and then that's it. Um, but the real thing is there, like, there's so much talent with Ring of Honor so many great performers like let's just think about who are some of the people that are just no-brainers some company out there gotta scoop them up we're gonna start with ian riccaboni because yes if he if you're if you have a wrestling company that is televised and he is not already someone that you have called up to be like hey man so uh are you free on monday nights Uh, are you free on wednesday night are you free on Thursday? Yeah, so if I'm if I'm Joe Koff, I call that man and I say, look, here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Don't go no fucking way. Don't go. No, just just wait. We got you. But Jimmy Smith has done great work com- uh, comparatively to what he should be doing based on he's not a play by play guy. But Ian Riccoboni would be perfect on Raw. Oh, I just threw Monday out as a like WWE reference in the macro sense. I in ge- the real the real move legitimately. I know Cole is having more fun than Cole has ever had, and he'll be the first mm-hmm. to tell you that. But like hey, Pat. Ian and Pat is the real money play, and the real reason I say Ian and Pat is the real money play is because even though Cole is having more fun than Cole has ever had, I think Cole is a bigger value to them fully backstage. I got you. You think it's time. Fully, I, I, I think you. it's time for him to not even because he can't do it anymore, but because we're talking like if you want these broadcasters to be seasoned and prepared and ready. I respect that. And you have the actual voice and mentor be there grooming them when you have the opportunity to have Jimmy's doing a good enough job. He's mm-hmm. doing a good enough job that you can keep him there. And Ian is ready. Ian don't need no seasoning. Ian Facts. is ready. Jimmy said perfectly because Graves is the best they got with respect to Pat. And Saxon is the most underrated an underrated. Pat guy works only that. within the way that they use Pat. Pat works because they don't fully smarten Pat up to what's going to happen. Pat is the first to tell you, I couldn't know everything that was happening and do a mm-hmm. good job at this job. They can only tell me certain things. And that's that's the reason why I think he needs to be with Cole for maybe another year. Just to get I can more respect prepared. That. I can respect more that. More prepared but to I take over himself. My only counter to that, and I know it's different because they were in the business beforehand. Um, 
Colt hadn't done commentary before Ian brought him in. This Caprice hadn't done commentary before Ian brought him in. Uh, so, so don't you're making me be a dick here, but they also wouldn't commentate it for two million people. You, you you're right, and also there, but it's also different because they are also. I mean, especially in Colt's case, Colt hadn't done commentary, but Colt has hosted numerous different hundreds like, of podcasts and. Radio shows and was a wrestler for years and years and years. So, like, he understood the business in a different yeah. way. And so, I totally get that that is different. I just meant those as examples of like, Ian can guide you along. Well, he Graves, has proven remember, that he can do that. Graves had to retire. And then the next, like, the next month, literally, he was like, all right, well, here's TakeOver. So you're right. It's it's very possible if if you have the capacity for it. I think Ian would be fantastic, and I I like your idea of him taking the legacy of Cole and being the next guy. Uh, but Joe Cuff would be stupid to let him go. Oh, I mean, if, if like if Joe has the ability and Ian is willing, because some of this also falls on Ian. Like, does Ian want yeah. to sit and wait around for that long? And, and I would say Tony go get him, but Excalibur, they, are, they got a million already. But they need Excalibur to be their explanation guy. They believe in Tony, and I'm happy as fuck that Tony's back. Because Tony's fantastic. And then they got to keep Jim refuses to go anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, they, they already said. And then they got like a million other people that pop up for play by, for uh, color. So he wouldn't be of use there. Yeah, no, um, I, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I don't think Tony really. I don't think AEW needs him in the same way. No. Um, Kevin WWE has more shows. WWE got more shows that need filling. Um, yes. Honestly, you know, Ian could, but Ian could also be beneficial to either of Impact or MLW. I don't know who the announcer is for MLW. They seem to like their Impact shit. I don't fuck with them. I'm not a I'd, fan. I, and again, I'm not I'm not hating on either because I'm not I don't know who MLW's people are and they could be really good. I just know that for my money, like right now, if I'm given my hierarchy of like who are the best play by play people in Facts. wrestling, Ian is gonna be one of the first three or four names out my mouth. One hundred percent. Um, so we mentioned Ian Riccaboni, and I think he's Definitely one of not the top prospect, but dog, John Gresham. Shane Taylor Promotions in, in its entirety. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. Black if, wrestling draws. Dog, if STP showed up tomorrow, and this is Tuesday. Shit, hit on AEW, versus STP. <laughs> my God. And everybody wants him to go to AEW. That's cool. I know people believe the that Vince doesn't want anybody nah, over 30. Big meaty man slapping me. Give me Shane versus um, big... Top Dollar. Oh my God. And then, dog. Oh my God. I just. All five of them as a, as a record label, a, a group, group. Oh, is, and a Ashanti mother... going, is Ashanti going with SCP? Yeah, all of, I would say all of them go. And shit, yeah. Trisha Door. Good. Yeah, Trish better like we need to keep Trish. Speaking of Trisha Dora, I know she had a she had some conversations with AEW. Would be if, a great gift for them. Not not Trish. If if Hunter 
or Regal or whoever the fuck don't call Roxy right now and say, here you go, mama. What this is? What what do you need? What do you want? She's twenty two, and just loses charisma. Yes, she's so prepared. Like I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Marissa. She's so, I mean, she's so she's so badass that like she got PWI to recognize the Pan African. That's Trish. I'm I'm still I'm I'm talking about Roxy. You're talking about Trish. Oh, I'm still Trish on Trish. Badass. I'm talking I'm about Roxy, Trish. the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Because Trisha Dora is older. I'm talking about Roxy, who was trained on here by, by Booker T, who won the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Oh, I missed that part. I'm sorry. She's so young and so prepared and so and oozes potential that, like, she's perfect to be next for NXT. You know what I'm saying? She fits in that vein of what they're trying to do. And if, if, I, if, I, if I can give Maria Canellas credit for anything, she booked that women's division to perfection when she, when she took over. Maria knows what she's doing. You know, Maria was ne- Maria was never the problem. And like, as it turned out, you know, as it turned out, Mike was in the midst of like some serious addiction problems that he was battling during a lot of his tenure with the company. But like, yep. Maria was never the problem. She got pregnant. Can't like, that. that is, and I am 1000% the type of person who is just like, that is not something I am going to blame a person for. That is not something I am going to hold against them. It happens. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Shit, you got pregnant, and they had to take you out for nine months or for almost a year because, like, that's what the fuck happens. And, like, yeah, it sucks. It happens. You're right, but you can't complain your booking changed when literally the whole point of the... the, No, now I will... Now, I will say... No, I will say that, like... you can't be too upset that like you were gone for a year and then when you came back it was different because like that's all I'm saying. Only because of the type of medium that we are. This is not a scripted series where I can just record an entire season before you have to go on bed rest and like we can record things with you holding giant purses and standing behind walls or stunt doubles because uh, Scarlet was pregnant for a whole Avengers movie. Yeah, like we're like this is the type of. Entertainment medium we do is on TV every single fucking week, rain or shine, and you've been gone for a year. So, like, we have to insert you somewhere different, somewhere new. Yeah. Not doing the exact same thing you were doing. But really, where they they fucked that, and I understood their reason for it from the copyright perspective and blah, blah, blah. Man, the fans were were against it from the word go when he was Mike Kanellis. And the you know, second he debuted as Mike Kanellis, they just instantly were just like, nope, fuck this. I got to tell you, and this, I'm, this, this statement's going to sound fucked up, and I'm going to mean for it, too, but you know what I mean. Not say it, though. It would have worked if she didn't get pregnant. You know, the statement, the statement only sounds fucked up in the sense that it sounds blamey, but I know that's not what you mean. No, the, I'm not blaming her. The point is not... It's not to place blame on her for what happened. It's no. just to say that Happens if fans. it wasn't for the fact that she had to leave, they could have made this work in a long-term sense because yeah. it would have had more time to marinate. The, but the when, whole... when she had to leave mm-hmm. because of her pregnancy, like they were still in the squash match phase of Mike Kanellis. They just got started, yes. So like there was no there was no reasoning for him to have the name anymore if she's not there. 
Well, and especially the whole part of his shtick that got him over in Impact and then within WWE in the first place is she Morty. introduces him. Yeah. Yeah, she she, she is, comes out and says she's the first lady of professional wrestling and she is the savior. It's very Zelina Andrade-esque that, mm-hmm. that while Andrade is the star, Zelina is the linchpin of that whole thing that makes it happen. Um, or I guess was in there since because, you know, such and so, so on and so, so, so forth. Um, other people from Ring of Honor that were missing that uh, that we have Dan Housen. Dan, oh, I mean, you're foolish not to go get Dan Housen. Get well soon, Dan Housen. Love that Dan Housen. Yeah. Very injured, very evil. Very um, rich. Very rich. Um, spend your sacks of human money on his new shirt so that he can, you know, get the good surgery. Um, but anyway, yes, signed Dan Housen. He literally had a guest spot with Conan fucking O'Brien. Like, this man's gonna get you mainstream cred. He's over. Uh, he's super over. And if you're AEW or WWE, he is a license to get some kind of. He is a license to get some kind of deal with a children's company because he, he it's the would. kind of care he wouldn't. But it's the kind of character that would work for toys. No, you're right. I'm saying he wouldn't work in WWE. Because they wouldn't let him be him. He wouldn't work. That's fair. And it's a shame. Because he would make great money for them. And he'd be such a if great... If they would just let him be Dan Housen. Yes. And he'd be such a great talent for them. Because everybody would tell you he's fantastic in the backstage area. It would work perfectly for both companies. But they wouldn't let it happen. Um, Dan Housen... You're foolish not to call Jay Lethal because Jay Lethal might not be at a point in his career where he can be your big name performer, but Jay Lethal is such a good veteran and he's a capable trainer. If you well, have any do. kind of if you have any kind of program where you use your vets to try to season up the younger guys and like help them learn the craft and teach them psychology and character work and all of those other things. Like if I'm WWE, I'm trying to get Jay down in the performance center yesterday. That's what I was going to say. I'm bringing Jay in to be a player coach. Much like we wanted Cassius to be AKA Chris hero. Um, In fact, speaking of Chris hero, I know he's not back in ring of honor. When they come back, give Chris hero the book. Oh, you know who was back in Ring of Honor? Speaking of people that were in WWE, um, isn't EC3 in Ring of Honor now? Or wasn't he? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Bro, just go back to Impact, huh? Just go back. He just done with them. Okay. So, first and foremost, we stupid as fuck for not mentioning the world champion, Bandito, and... The new we didn't, Los Ingo- to, we didn't have to mention the new ally Los Ingobernables because we know that like push come to shove, all them motherfuckers can go back to Triple A tomorrow. Well, or CMLL. There's four of them. I don't. It's ben, uh, I can't remember Bandito still with them or not. But you you know it's Dragon Lee is Roosh, Bandito. Dragon Lee got New Japan money. And and Roosh will always be good wherever he goes because Andrade gonna gonna vouch for him. But the fourth man you're forgetting is Kenny King. If Kenny King K-I-N-T don't get his, King. if he don't get his bitch ass to, to Titan Towers in New York finally, if I'm if I'm MVP right now, I'm on the phone with Vince saying, "Look, bro, it's been long enough. Get this motherfucker here." And the Kenny hurt King, business needs it. 
that's the guy. Kenny King is the um look. We simpatico. Yeah, baby. Hey, because basically it's just a beatdown crew. All you gotta do is find Sinchi. <laughs> it's the beatdown crew all over again. I mean, Kenny needs that's, it. That's that's a deep cut, by MVP the way, for those of y'all who actually it. watched Impact. MVP needs it. Kenny King needs it. We all need this. I, I know he doesn't job. do this. I know he doesn't do the same gimmick like he used to. But if you give me 20, 2016 Dalton Castle in NXT, tell me that wouldn't be the most over gimmick in the world. I mean, it totally would. With the Ice um, and Twins. That's speaking Twins. of the, speaking the boys, of Dalton Castle, there, yeah, the boys. Um, speaking of Dalton Castle, so at Ring of Honor's next show before their final show, they're gonna have them boys face off against Effie and AJ Gray. In a yeah, tag second, second crew, second gear crew. I saw that. Um, because they're the GCW champions. And I boys. saw somebody tweeted this out, and I am so. Here for this. Now that Effie has finally walked into the Ring of Honor door at final at like the final show for Ring of Honor, let's go out with a bang and have Effie versus Dalton Castle and just let me get my big gay wrestling fan on. Oh my god, that could be the most fantabulous, fabulous, fantastic match of all time. Let me get my big gay wrestling fan on. Oh my god. Oh my god. Dalton and Effie together making androgynous magic? That would be crazy. Oh, oh. That would be crazy. Oh, I'm peacocky just thinking about it. I'm here for it. Yeah, no, but you're, um, in all seriousness, Dalton is another one who would be more beneficial. And I think Dalton would work better in WWE than in AEW. I do too. Especially post-injury Dalton. Because, like, the thing with Dalton Castle is, and I feel so bad for him in this regard, man, once he hurt his back, he he has never been the same. Never he has guy. never been the same after that back injury. But he can talk, he can manage, yep. and if yep. you need another color guy, that's a guy you can bred to be another color yep. guy. Yep, 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 yep. But I'm so. just, but dog, look, so there are certain entrances that you got to see to believe. Oh Shinsuke yeah, him with one the of boys. Them, right? Shinsuke Dalton was one with of the them boys sure. at the height. No, because because I'm I'm just thinking the first time I saw things and I was the first time I saw Shinsuke come out and uh, with to subconscious in New Japan I was like oh my god this is a superstar right. Dalton Castle people. with Dalton Castle with the boys and the fans became such a thing that Charlotte started putting the peacock feathers on her fucking robe. That's right, she did take the peacock. That's right, I remember that. She started putting the peacock feathers on her fucking robe because, like, and it really is, and especially if you've seen it live, there is just something about these boys come out in these, like, Greco-Roman minion outfits with the giant fans, and they hide him. You just point it's It's Caligula. Oh, yeah, Caligula. It's Caligula. It just hit me. That's the gimmick. He's Caligula, the peacock. Oh, my God. I never, never crossed my mind. Yeah, they come out in those Greco-Roman fucking minion costumes. They hide him with the feathers. And then they form the stairs and escort him up the steps and hide him again before the big reveal. So it's just, it's, it's, there is nothing like it when it was at its height, bro. I'm telling you. Nothing like it. Uh, 
so yeah, cool. I missed that Don Castle, bro. Uh, um, oh, another person, not from an in-ring sense, but he can talk, he can manage, and he can commentate. Caprice is a valuable commodity for a company. I agree. Caprice Coleman is a valuable voice to have in your company. I agree. Uh, especially uh, within your creative, and I'm I'm a big pro- I'm a big proponent right now. Let's get more people of color in our creative teams. Man, you ain't said nothing but a word, bro. Um, I want to throw out one more person because I can go all day long. Miranda. Yes, we could, and then we'll but we'll do yeah. one more, and then we'll transition. I saw such people, but uh, shout out to Session Martha Martina. She finally decides to sign a sign a deal, and then they go out of business. <laughs> it's just that's know, the luck right? she gets. Ain't that about a bitch. My last one that I'll throw out before we change topics is um, shout out to Tony Deppin, and I hope he gets lots of work because I love Tony Deppin. Tony Deppin's a great dude. By the way, um, if Brody King don't end up with... Is he going to end up in New Japan? No, he's going to end up with Madcap Black because they already teamed together. It just makes the House of Black, it just makes perfect sense. That's true. That's true. And because it makes perfect sense, the shit ain't going to happen. Well, I mean, you know... Speaking of people going to AEW because TK loves to back up to break track. Uh oh, journalism coming. Let's uh, talk about somebody else that uh, went to the land of Khan and uh, debate how this turned out for them and how that fits into a discussion we've been having a while here on the uh, Outsiders Edge. So, Brother Rance, you hit me with a message a little earlier today. You said you wanted to talk a little bit about something that you saw in regards to one Adam Cole hashtag Bay Bay. Yes, so um, hit us with it, Brother Rance. Tell us what's on your mind, man. I, so I like these conversations we've had that we've kind of got a little deeper into a two-sided debate of things that are all based on where you where you stand, right? And there's been a lot of conversation recently about Adam Cole and his tenure in, in AEW. I saw a tweet today that made me think. And um, I'll, shout up, I'll shout them out because they're a fairly popular IWC Twitter account, but at Jobber Nation TV. And the tweet says, Adam Cole has gone from a legit superstar in NXT to a lame joke in just three months with AEW. It's sad to watch his downfall, to be honest. I don't give a fuck if he's having fun or not. He's cringe on TV. Just proves Adam Cole was a creation of Triple H and HBK. Now he's just another guy. Yes or no. I think that's a little harsh. I I think there is a conversation to be had of what he's doing now. Is it comparable to what he was doing before? And do you think... You can't really compare situations the same because he's debuting another place, the other place he was like the mainstay holdover for four years. But I think it's a fair conversation to say value on both ends. Don't you think? Where does, where's the value on both ends? So I agree with what you said in terms of I think it's a little harsh. I also agree with what you said that there's a discussion to be had here. Um. No, it's not the same as what he was doing before, and it's not to the level of what he was doing before, but it's also in it's also very obviously not designed to be. He was very clearly booked to be the star almost from the very beginning. 
in NXT. He made his debut in NXT taking out the NXT champion. And in like, Brooklyn, which is and then they form their group and declare that they're going to like run roughshod over NXT and they fucking did. Like, well, his first match, he was the ladder match where he won the North American Championship. Mm-hmm. Then they, you know, did the Dusty Classic thing, and people thought, oh, Bobby Fish is hurt, and that's going to be to their detriment. And it's like, no, nah, we're going to get Roddy to turn on somebody, and he's going to join up. And, like, turned it into gold. So, like, from the very beginning in AEW, he was booked to be – or not AEW, I'm sorry, in NXT, he was booked to be one of the top stars. Instantly. In AEW, he had a top star debut in the sense that, like, it was a big name reveal at the end of a show. However, almost immediately, they showed you this is not the same thing. Number one, they did the twist of, oh, no, we still he's still part of the elite which instantly regulates him to mid-card at best because you're not Kenny Omega, big dog. Yep. And that means you are not front and center for this faction. Um, so that's number one. You're still part of the super elite, so that relegates you to a certain position. But number two, in the same minute that you debuted for this company, they debuted a bigger star than you. Yep. They bitched you from the word go in that sense. They gave you your first match on Rampage. Was it Rampage? Was it Rampage? I'm pretty sure his first actual match was the six man with the Bucks. No, we had a singles match. He had a singles match. Oh, was a singles match with Cass? Because I remember that was before the. the, Yeah, come up with a clip of him looking back, like, "Oh shit, that was his first match." Yeah. Oh well, then all right. It was like one match, but it was like one match though. I stand corrected. That, it was that's Frankie not, Kazarian. It was Frankie Kazarian. I knew that. I just thought that the uh, the six man with the bucks was first. I stand corrected, and that's neither here nor there. The point is, they debuted a star that was already bigger than him. They put him in a group where he was not the biggest star in the faction. Uh, they had him join up in the middle of a million other storylines. So he's not even his debut is not even a focal point other than, oh, look, we have a shiny new toy. And, like, he's already, like, overshadowed by so many people within AEW. And I don't necessarily think that... I don't like the comparison, though, that he's cringe in AEW because I think that you're falling into... Not you, they. I think they Mm -hmm. are falling into the trap of you're judging him based on your expectation for him, not based on what he is being presented to you as. He is being consistently presented to you as a member of the super elite. And he is specifically the Bucks best friend. So he's doing whatever Matt and Nick want to do. And he's their buddy. Yeah. And, And I think for me, what makes that cringe has nothing to do with him. That's cringe because I find everything that Matt and Nick do cringe. Yeah, I, and I don't like the word cringe, but I, I think I get what that what that tweeter is coming is where it's coming from. First and foremost, I I you know what sometimes I think it's hilarious, sometimes I think it's stupid. But the spot where he puts him in the camel clutch and then the Bucks run the ropes like five times and then stop and kiss him, it was funny the first time I saw it. Now it was just stupid doing it every match. 
but it's it's designed to get heat. Um, the Ghostbuster the Ghostbuster costumes, the flip they did with uh, Luchasaurus where it fell and then they redid the spot on BTE. Uh, there's a lot of spots that they that they're doing that are hokey, dumb. Yeah. Most of it is super hokey. Hokey is the right word. It's very ham. What I find interesting about it is, you know, I won't criticize the ham because, you know, my thing on ham is if you're going to go ham, fully commit. Yep. Go all the way. And they fully commit and they go all the way. Does it hit for me? Not most. A lot of the times it doesn't. But Mm -hmm. I appreciate that they fully commit and they go all the way. Mm -hmm. However, what I find interesting is, as we say all the time, their stands give their hokey shit a pass. Their hokey shit is fun. Their hokey shit is meta. And they're redefining storytelling with their hokey. But when WWE does hokey shit, it's just hokey shit. Like, nah, y'all, let's be consistent and just call it all hokey. Because, like, these motherfuckers, these motherfuckers, not just Adam Cole specifically, but just the elite in general, these motherfuckers have done the Space Jam entrance. They have done dressing up as the Ghostbusters for Halloween and had Adam uh, Page return as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. There was a match where they were Street Fighter a couple years ago at a Fighter Fest. Like, and I like nerd shit, y'all. I do. I do. But, like, if... WWE does this stuff, y'all hating on it. If New Day come out here dressing these costumes, y'all hating on it. Do even better. The trick or the trick or treat uh street fight between Corbin and Moss and Boobs and Nakamura. People hate and, that shit. That's the most fun match of the year. And here's the thing, here's the thing. I hated that shit too. But guess what? I also didn't like this. The only People thing I liked it. about this was the hangman reveal. Because that works within the story. Mm -hmm. I'm here for that because it's good storytelling. Y'all just randomly coming out here in fucking costumes with no explanation is, like, that's lame. That's lame ass to me. But I appreciate that you fully commit to your lame ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spot on. Um, So... Do you think it's fair to compare his his standing in a in WWE in NXT to where his standing is now? Do you think that's a fair comparison? I mean I'm of two minds on this. In the sense of like so the first answer is clear is a clear no, but fans are gonna do it anyway because fans are fans. Yeah. Like no, it's not fair because like if this were any other sport, um, all right, you're a Ravens fan, and I'll I'll hit you with some history because I grew up in the Carolinas. So like, Steve Smith, mm-hmm. it's not fair to judge Steve Smith's tenure with the Ravens based on Steve Smith, the Carolina Panther, because yeah. this is a different team, this is a different yep. quarterback, this is a different yep. scheme. They yep. throw in differently. Not to mention this version of Steve Smith has a lot of tread on these tires. Pretty old. And so it's not fair to compare the two, 
But if you're a Ravens fan, when Steve Smith gets signed, you damn sure going to be disappointed if he ain't getting that thousand yards in year one. Yep. Going to talk about, well, did we waste our money? So, like, the, that's the short answer. But on the other hand, to give a more nuanced answer, in some ways, yeah, because, like, it's an indictment against him or the company's faith in him and his ability to be a certain level of star. Because if we look at the history of wrestling, if you really that dude, they're going to make you that dude no matter where you are from day one. Like, classic example, classic example, if we go to the old war of the Monday nights, Mm -hmm. um, Hall and Nash were brought in as big bad dudes. Mm -hmm. Took up with Hogan, who became Hollywood Hulk as a big bad, like... And from the jump, Mm -hmm. world champion, tag team champions, y'all are running the card. From the jump. Jericho transitions into WWF with the intention of being pushed as a bigger deal. He debuts in a segment with The Rock. Mm -hmm. Like, if they want you to be a name, you will be a name very quickly and they will make it known and it doesn't matter if you're transferring companies so by putting him where they put him that is an indictment on even in a subtle way where they see him fitting in i don't disagree it's not fair it's not a fair comparison no it's not and i'm so I'm trying to play devil's advocate here for the good of the conversation. Please because, do. I love the conversation. Be, and I say I, I'm doing I'm doing that because from everything Tony has been saying, he's been trying to do, and he's a big believer in having a big roster so you can filter in and out people, and so that you don't have to do the same story every week at every segment. You can filter things in and out. Um. I'm just, could the story of Adam Cole with the Bucks and the Super Elite be more important than his status of where he is in the company? It could, but like at present time, it's not. There's no story to it other than he is with them. So let me, let me, Tim, what you think about this? All right. In that in that in that six eight man tag, um, where there was a Ghostbuster suit against the Dark Oh Boy. yeah, where Kenny, where he and Kenny had that tension, like they did the there spot. Was a little tension between. And Kenny, Kenny kind of looked back, like. Well, so Kenny, for those of you who didn't see it, the spot I mentioned where Adam Cole does the camel clutch and the Bucks run the ropes and then kiss him, Kenny went to do that, and then. They sent Kenny to go get the guy who was coming in the ring, and Cole jumped in the ring while Kenny's back is turned, does the camel clutch, and the Bucks are running. As it, and as Kenny turns around, the Bucks are kissing Kenny, the Bucks are kissing Adam, and Kenny's looking at him like, wait a minute, what the fuck has happened here? Now, AEW fans will tell you that's their version of a subtle tease. I mean... Can you subtly tease a retread of a story that your sister, that one of your working relationship companies did five years ago? 
They do it all the time. The the whole uh uh blah 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 the the Mox and 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 Eddie Kingston and the death match was Onita and uh Terry Funk. They redo stories oh, all the no, time. Oh no, honey, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, can you subtly tease a story between Kenny and Hangman or not Hangman? God, I keep saying fucking Hangman. Well, because they're both Adams, so yeah. Can you can you subtly tease a story between Kenny Omega and Adam Cole Bay Bay when at Kenny Omega and Adam Cole Bay Bay have already done this exact same thing four years ago? Can you subtly tease something that they've already done? That's not a subtle tease. That's a callback. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But also a lot of people didn't see that because it was in Ring of Honor. You're right, which is why they can retread it and they should retread it. I'm just saying that's not a subtle tease. That's a callback. Good point. That's like that's a callback. It's a callback and it's a you forgot it happened, but you know who didn't forget it happened? All of the mouth breathers that stand that company. Good point. Good point. Great point. Final question for you about this whole topic and this whole situation. A lot of people were ha- were happy that that Adam Cole didn't go to the to the main roster of WWE for a myriad of reasons. The rumors that he was going to have to cut his hair or change his music or be a manager for Keith Lee, all these bullshit rumors that have not been substantiated. Right. All we know is that there were things that were in the that were pitched, but they weren't. We don't know that was going to happen. Sir, who the fuck is Keith Lee? Are you talking about Bearcat? We're doing that now. <laughs> Are we doing? Okay. Yes, the bear, the Bearcat himself. <laughs> um, but where do you see his possible standing on WWE's main roster comparative to where he is now? And do you think the rhetoric would have been different? Exactly the same, and it would have been worse. All right, next topic. I mean, I can give a little bit more on that, but no, I think that's where WWE would have ultimately slotted him because, like, WWE has a semi-glass ceiling that it takes you a few years to work your way through. That but, it take, It's not impossible to work your way through sure. like it used to be. It's not like it used to be. But even if you look at if you look at the last handful of people who have been crowned world champion, with the exception of Roman, Big E, there for years, had to claw his way up from the bottom. Oh. Drew McIntyre had to get fired and rehired. Bobby Lashley had to get fired and rehired. Jinder Mahal had to get fired and rehired. Kofi, oh, Kingston, Kofi Kingston got buried by Randy Orton. Like Good point. if you look, like if you look at the champions that have been crowned that are not part of the chosen few, and I mean the chosen few even includes people like Kevin Owens. So um, yeah, like they're part of the chosen few. Uh, people people choose to ignore that because they like them more, but they are part of that same group. Um, outside of that, though, it's all people that have to scratch and claw and fight their way up for years and years and turn shit creative into like gold time and time and time again. What I saw happening with Adam Cole is I saw a situation where Vince 
could tell that there was money to be made, but he didn't know how to make it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, like, I could see a situation where, because, like, Vince isn't so myopic as people think that he doesn't see that these are people that can be draws. Vince is smart enough to know how he can draw and knows if he can't draw with you. And, and you know, I, the, the whole Adam Cole thing and Vince wouldn't have booked him well. Vince's booking of AJ Styles showed me that he'll book Adam Cole well because I don't give a fuck what nobody thinks. I'll argue this to I have no breath in my body. Vince literally said, AJ, just be you. Tell me what about AJ Styles since he's been in WWE has been Vince-ized. Please tell me. I mean, I don't know. Vince is the guy. Vince has got to be the one that's letting him grow that fucking soccer mom hair. And I'm only going to say that I'm only going to blame that on Vince because I refuse to believe that any grown adult would allow themselves to have that hairstyle willingly. Well, then you didn't watch his last tenure in TNA when he when he had the Evil Ways theme song and he was doing the woos. Why no. do you think Hornswoggle does it? Like that. No, the emo emo AJ emo AJ was copying Toby Maguire from Spider Man Three. I'm talking about soccer mom AJ with that like shoulder length bowl cut. His locks are luscious, dog. I'm not. I'm not hating. I can't grow my hair that way, by all means. But I'm just saying, Vince has not changed AJ Styles. If he has, let me know what 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 how he's WWEized him. But to put to put a bow on this, I think it's refreshing for a new star to come into the company and not debut at the top. I think it's refreshing. Oh, I got no qualms with that. I got no qualms with that. It's not like he's not in a position of prominence and it's not like he's not being used. Um, But I mean, to get it back to our original context for this conversation, like as we've talked about before, Adam Cole didn't leave WWE because he was unhappy with how he was booked or any of that shit. Adam Cole left WWE because his wife and best friends all worked for the other company. And he wanted to go kick it with them and still make money. Well, yeah, that and, you know, I've done this for a while. I'm going to do this for a while. Just like Brian. Brian didn't leave because he hated WWE. He left because, hey, I'm going to try something else for a minute. Like, just this idea that, like... Because he was one way in one company, he has to be that way in this other company. Like, it doesn't make sense. And you can't hold people to your expectations for them in a performance art. Like, you just can't. You can't hold people to your expectations for them. You have to hold it to the expectation that is established within the make-believe world that they're giving you. Well, speaking of performance art... Ooh, there has been, the journalism. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do my best, Kyle. Since I stole the Sage and Square Circle, I could at least copy you on this. Uh, the one young man who we probably associated the most with performance art in the past few years is one Wyndham Rotunda, better known as Bray Wyatt. Whether he's been the Eater of Worlds, the uh, Firefly Funhouse Master, or The Fiend, uh, Bray Wyatt has brought a different level of creative freedom and creative ideas to the forefront of WWE and of wrestling. Recently, young Wyatt, who is one of the main, I'm, why am I doing this like I'm on a TV show? Recently, keep going, young, keep going. You're cooking with grease, baby. Thank you. Recently, young Wyatt was unceremoniously and shockingly released from the company 
No. Shocking. Very shady circumstances. Very shady circumstances. The release was shocking because Mr. Wyatt made a uh, report, purportedly made a multi million dollar downside and sold a, what, what was said, a quote unquote shit ton of merch. Yet he was still let go. And questions have arisen as to what could have possibly happened. There's no way that this could have been a budget cut. Well, Sources have spoken and re- and given us a bit of a different perspective. Mr. By Moore. sources, uh, by sources, I'm assuming we mean Mr. SRS and Fightful. Fightful uh, Select, best five dollars I spend all month. Oh, I agree. I also give them five dollars of my human money. You gonna give them dog money, Monopoly money? <laughs> it's a Danhausen reference. Oh, sacks of human money. <laughs> All right, I was like, wait a minute, I, that oh, that's a, that's over my head. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Uh, well, that because also because go subscribe, you know. Yeah. But I do want to read uh or sur- surmise some of the story, and then I'm gonna throw it to you for your thoughts because uh, it's quite an interesting situation. Um, the creative team had been told that Bray was coming, was cleared and coming back to wrestling because, remember, he was hurt. And then the loss of Brody Lee affected him pretty seriously and the co- all those things coinciding, he was out for a while. And uh, there have, people have noticed that him and Randy were not happy with the way the WrestleMania match was booked and was going to end because it changed two days before the show. Mm-hmm. It's one thing. Um... They were Fife was also told that there was quote unquote never a true creative end game for that story, which now this is a story that lasted like almost six months. Um, also, Randy Orton was supposed to take time off after that match, but it was but ended up being Bray Wyatt who left after the match. I will say and, this: yes, it was very obvious to us, the viewers, because it was something we debated ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. It was very obvious to us, the viewers, that they did not have a clear end game in mind for that storyline. We talked about it for a while. Is like, yeah. why is this still happening? Well, it's still happening because they don't know where the fuck it's going. Man, yep. I hate when the, I hate when the conjecture is right, but it seems to be right. Um, this is a direct paragraph from this that I think is pertinent to read. There were numerous people backstage who said that Wyatt was outspoken when he thought creative was bad, and by the end, some felt Vince McMahon just didn't like him due to that. There's also a story here saying that Creative was has some major frustration around the angle where the fiend was burned because there was a suit that they made for for that. And uh, the size, the weight, and the movement of the suit was an issue because they thought that Bray was too heavy and it was going to look bad, so they scrapped it. Uh, the, uh, finishing up the, the story here given by Fightful Select, Talon was told that it was a budget cut, but clearly they... They know that was some bullshit, uh, but it uh, it was a major issue among the roster because nearly 20 people who were members of the staff of the roster or just employees of the company reached out to Fightful saying that it had to be more than that because he made too much money for the company. Um, and uh, he was, Wyatt was well known within the company to move merchandise when he was an active performer and several other longtime stars said that they don't feel like their jobs are safe anymore. 
despite their positions on the card or prior pushes, because if Bray can get gone, anybody could get gone. It's Morris. I mean, so again, number one, my first observation is it was very obvious to us that there was no fucking direction for that story. Yes. And that I'm sure, I mean, I can imagine that how frustrating that would have to be as a performer. I can very much imagine how frustrating that would have to be as a performer. Because part of the thing for any kind of performance is, like, knowing where is this going. And, like, because, like, that's part of how I sell the conviction of all of it. And that's part of how I tell you a convincing story is I have to know where this starts and where this ends. Mm -hmm. You know, the story that we tell in the middle is the fun part. We got to know where does this start? Where does this end? What are the major turning points we're building towards? Mm -hmm. Then we get to have the fun of deciding, okay, what are the Easter eggs and the callbacks and the nuances and like the fun things that we want to put our twist on and blah, 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 blah. So I can totally imagine how frustrating it would have to be to have be going through that and then to also have things like finishes changed and like angles reworked and like, Clearly in the middle of this, the main character becoming Alexa Bliss instead of Bray. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I can also imagine how that would be incredibly frustrating. Also, as far as like Bray being vocally displeased with this, all reports that we have ever read over the last five or six years have indicated that Bray was one of the locker room leaders What does a locker room leader do? They stand up to management. They stand up to creative. They stand up to booking. They do those things on behalf of the roster. Whether it's for themselves or for other people. They are, that is part of what it is as the leader. You go to the leader and you say, hey, so like this is the issue that I'm having, blah, blah, blah. And the leader's like, all right. Cool. Say no more. Let me make sure you get a meeting with so-and-so. Let me make sure this gets handled. So if I'm the person that handles that for other people and you're fucking my shit up. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to hear about this. And so, like, yeah, I could totally buy him being vocal and I could see Vince being, you know, pissy about that. But you and I had a conversation not too long ago about something very different, Brother Rance, where we talked about poor leadership and how a lot of times these kinds of conflicts could be avoided by, you know, competency. So, like, you got a problem with me complaining about the booking of this story and there not being a clear finish and not liking the way that it's being handled. You could fix that by coming up with a finish. And creating a direction and handling it, you could prevent all of that by just doing your fucking part. Then I'd have literally nothing to sit here and complain about. So the thing that's interesting to me is it's really crazy that the guy... With respect to the New Day, the only guy on the roster that had full creative autonomy to say and whatever he wanted 
Because you, I look, I'll go to my grave saying there's no way in hell WWE scripted what the dude was saying. It's no way. Um, that the dude that had full creative autonomy didn't have any say on his books and how his how his matches and his segments and his and his stories were being booked. Because I've read a lot of rumors and reports on Bray's tenure. And one of the things that this kind of encapsulates very slightly is that Bray was growing ever worried, tired, concerned about the way his stories and his 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 uh, angles were being booked. Now, that's crazy to me that this is a company, and we've long talked about how I don't think there's a problem at the top. I don't think there's a problem at the bottom. But WWE has the worst middle management at all of professional wrestling. I, I just think they're god-awful. Um, and we continue to have stories that show us that. With respect, good people maybe, shitty people as their job. Is, mm-hmm. uh, and that's my opinion. Um, that's, that's, but then that's a weird dichotomy to me. Hey, bro, go say what you want when you're out there. But uh, yeah. Hey, we're gonna change this story. You, we, we'll, we'll make the story. Just go talk what you want us. What he's saying is leading the stories. It's weird to me. Am I the only one that finds it weird? I mean, I don't think you're the only one that finds it weird. I think you're the only one that's articulating what the real problem is, and it's what we're like talking about where. You are creating the fires and then complaining when you smell smoke. Well, stop burning shit and you'll stop smelling smoke. You make more money than you've ever made at any point and start firing people during a global health crisis. Mm -hmm. You consistently book repeat shows and then... Wonder why your audience is tuning out. You make promises to performers and then change things at the last minute or renege on those things and act like in 2021 it's not going to get out and are like blindsided when these performers then leave or ask for their release or whatever the case may be. And it's like, dude, you are creating these problems. You enabled Jerry Lawler to be a predator for years. Like, you created these problems. You The plane ride from hell was a thing on Dark Side of the Ring, and, like, you, there's blowback on people like Ric Flair for what happened, and a lot of it is justified because, like, bro, what the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. the same time, man, Vince, you can't be all that pissed about it because you fucked up. This is on you. If you don't let this happen, and if you come down from on high instead of sending the underlings. Like, at, at first sign, this shit was getting rowdy and out of control and, like, a little bit cray. Your ass, as the owner of this motherfucker, should have been back there checking people. I, I hate to do this to you, but Vince wasn't on the plane. That was wrong. I don't know. I mean... Stop. I hate to do that to you. Stop but I, but we're, we're a show that believes on, on truth and facts. Stop killing me when I'm cooking with grease. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll do better. But I, do, I, didn't, I didn't want that you, that for you to do that. People like, oh, because said this, but he was wrong. And we don't get enough listeners that pay enough attention to be fact-checking me. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you about the DMs I be getting up. <laughs> Shit. Um, but you're still right. It, it's still ultimately his fault. It's his he, well, it's it's his fault because it's his company, but it's also his fault because he creates a lot of this shit on himself. Yeah. Don't don't tell Punk you're gonna do X, Y, and Z, and then at the first sign that you didn't do one of those things, when he does what he does, which is overreact and freak the fuck out, don't be surprised. Don't mishandle Austin and empower him to be petty and then when he pulls some petty bullshit turn around and act blindsided don't give your locker room steroids and then when you get caught up in a federal investigation fire the people that were doing them you gave them the fucking steroids you caused the federal investigation I mean you still couldn't grease by the way like don't you know, don't avoid doing things about concussions. And then when somebody who was under contract for you and has a Harvard law degree goes on record and talks about all of the ways that you're not looking out for the health of your air quotes, independent contractors that you don't supply with health care. Like you created the fire. You have done this. You fucked the creative with Bray. You have done this. You hamstrung the... or You didn't rein in Hunter with NXT sooner and allowed the gap between the NXT and the main roster to continue and created a problem. And were then flabbergasted on how to solve the fucking problem. So then what you end up doing, because you waited so long to do the right fucking thing, you end up having to go into damage control. And so then you overreact, and you do too much, and you overcorrect, and everybody who's left behind has to suffer the consequences. And in this case, the consequence is probably going to be sometime this month when Wyndham debuts, probably for TK. So, what it sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Sounds like you had time today. You know, I didn't think I did. I didn't (laughs) think I did. But man... It turns out I had time today. You had t- I did not expect a, a running down of Vince McMahon and the WWE in total. But again, everything you said was factual. So I mean, the thing is, because the thing we is, we is. say it all the time. The thing is, we say it all the time. Vince McMahon is not a good person. It, it, we ain't out here. We ain't out here caping for him. He ain't a good fucking person. Take all of his fucking money, especially the blood money that he gets from these nasty ass dictators. That's another thing you created. You made a partnership with KSA knowing how MVS gets down. And so when he pulled some Saudi Arabia shit and killed a fucking journalist in a goddamn embassy and then cut the body into pieces and escorted that shit out a little bit at a time. Now you surprised that people don't want to partner with you on this and that the fan base is upset. 
Like, so let's let's get back on track because if if you want, I give you a whole show where I'll just no, say, "Hey, no, no, I'm no. Ray," and then you go no, off. No, no, but I want. No, I, I got too much. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Last question about the situation. Devil's advocate. Complete devil's advocate. Do you think there's any mistakes Bray could have or did make in the situation? Well, I think Bray made plenty of mistakes. Um, I think I think allowing the fiend to go on for as long as it did was ultimately a mistake. You think um, it went too long? I think the fiend went too long because of the okay. way that they booked because of the way that the fiend was booked. It'd be okay. one thing if the fiend was booked as a human character. Yeah. But because the fiend was booked like an immortal, yeah, and like it could never die, and it was impossible to put it down, and blah 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 blah. The Seth Rollins, the Seth Rollins match hurt the, the fiend irreparably. I think that, and I think that for that reason, that went on for too long, regardless of its intention. I think that Bray. I think that Bray, in a lot of ways, is a good example of why I'm not a big fan of method acting. It, you get so engrossed in this character that you're building and so committed to the character that you lose sight of the performance that the character exists within. Okay. And I think that in a lot of cases, Bray was so committed to being the Eater of Worlds or so committed to being the Fiend or whatever that character was that he wasn't willing to adapt it to the moments and the ways that WWE tells its stories. I've said to you before, the biggest issue with Bray Wyatt the gimmick is that WWE didn't create it. Yeah, that's, no, that's always, fair. It's always been the biggest issue because they never knew how to book something that was a brainchild of Wyndham Rotunda. Much well, like and they to couldn't book Matt Hardy, broke Matt they, Hardy. They ultimately are never good at booking things. You're right, to your point. They are never good at booking things that they don't come up with. That's why NXT 2.0 is working better than what NXT was at the end because all of these things are completely original makeup of the WWE and they don't have to worry about the integrity of anything else. 100%. And I think I always thought that was the biggest issue um, because it was so good. And it was so fresh and so different and it was so profitable and Bray was so good in the role that he had to be pushed as a top guy. But they didn't know what to do with it. So when you see stuff like uh, a Hell in a Cell match between Rollins and, and Ambrose is, uh, is broken up by a, a, a running ghost and then Bray comes in or you see Bray and Ambrose in a match, and Ambrose doesn't realize how to unplug a fucking TV. Or you, or you know, see Bray and Randy in a match with cockroaches being projected onto the fucking ring mat. Or speaking the, of the, which, not the what's the what's the what's the match? The House of Horrors match. Yes. Speaking of speaking of which, legitimately, I will never forgive. I will never forgive WWE creative for not giving me. Ray, Bray versus Randy versus Luke in a triple threat match for the WWE title at that WrestleMania. 
I forever feel robbed. May he rest in peace, Brody Lee. I agree. And for those of you who may have said that, well, Harper wasn't open up to get a title match, Jack Swagger got a world title match at WrestleMania. And, and it's not even about him being over enough. The story called for it. I agree. The story called for it. Agreed completely. This was a was three-man unit that imploded from within, and all three were performing at top level, and the story called for it. I will say this, though. The one positive thing that happened from it was uh, Harper saved Ali's life when they had the Now that is true. Thing. So, like, now that is true. I, I, that's the one saving grace for me. That is true. He did save a man's life that day. Can I make you laugh before we get out of here? I love to laugh. At the end of our show, we have a, a nice diatribe speaking that we're just some increasingly young, increasingly young men, or less increasingly young men, just trying to make it out here, so you got to respect that. That comes from the legend known as Philip Jack Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, and uh, the rhetoric behind his ass whoopings in the UFC. Ooh, did he catch them ass whoopings. Well, Mr. Punk has been in the news again uh, recently. Um, an interview with Josh Martinez. Oh Lord! Speaking about what his WWE return could have possibly or would have possibly looked like, and I quote: "I literally want to wrestle everybody, but I'm telling a specific story here of coming back, kind of restarting, rekindling my love for pro wrestling. If I went back to WWE, what would I do?" There's a formula. There's a track record and a formula. This is what they do. Batista comes back. He wins the Royal Rumble. He made events WrestleMania. Edge comes back. He's in the Royal Rumble. I think he was in it twice. He might have won. I don't know. He goes on to the main event, WrestleMania. There's a formula. And I was bored of that shit 10 years ago, so I'm bored of it now. My, my question to you. Wasn't the biggest fucking qualm that he didn't fucking rent Metaverse Mania? I mean, hear him tell it, that was his biggest issue was he was never the main event. Never the main event. Never the main event. Um, but I mean, you know, if there was anybody that could break the formula, because you love to break the mold, if there was anybody that could have come back and not made a event of WrestleMania. It was CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. If there was anybody that Vince would have been like, oh, no, we can break that formula, big dog. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> For the record, I'm, I know that he had a lot of other qualms that were legitimate, the injury things and I taking time off thing. But by and large, the thing that's gotten the most rhetoric and the most conversation behind it was him bitching that he didn't he didn't get a chance to main event WrestleMania. That was the one thing he wanted to do he couldn't do. Uh, I, just, I just find it funny. Oh, I mean, I find everything about Punk at this stage of his career funny because he's the perfect embodiment of die and be a hero or live long enough and see yourself become a villain. In my mind, because like you was the voice of the voiceless and like you was willing to walk out on the company for what you believed in and. You were the one to speak against the legends being pushed at the expense of other people and blah, blah, blah. And now look at you. Legend. Taking time away from the young ones. 
taking shine away from the performers of today. Mm. Go ahead, Brother Rance. I just got one question. What happened to Punk and Darby being cool and Darby possibly getting his one back? Now look at you. Darbyless. Sans Darby, as the French in France would say. Okay. And if it happens, I'll come on this airwaves. And shout out to my homie Sir Sam. I will say I was wrong. And I will come out on these airwaves and say, yeah, you were, but we don't apologize on this show. Not today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I'm hyped for full gear, though. I got to give you that. I'm hyped for full gear. Oh, I'm hyped for full gear. I'm hyped for full gear if they don't coordinate Hangman. We riot. Oh, it's go- oh I just got to tell you this. Look, I'm not a big believer in promoting a show that hasn't happened yet or we don't know what's going to happen. But if Hangman Page don't win on like, on full gear, oh, you thought we were mad. You thought we were mad when Ghetto Rob Naito. Oh my God, it's going to be a legendary episode of The Outsiders Edge. We you might do it live. We were mad when Ghetto Rob Naito. We understand the promos on Dynamite. We don't need no. subtitles and translations. Fucking said we understand the promos. <laughs> We don't need subtitles and translations. We followed the whole story. <laughs> We're going to be outraged because we can actually understand what's happening in real time. For the no, right look, reasons. Hey, Square Business, if, it, if, 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 if Hangman lose, I, we might go live for the oh, edge. Shit. <laughs> if Hangman lose, we won't be able to go live for the edge because I will break something That's and have to replace it. That's fair. We we might we might need to take a week off and <laughs> cool our jets. <laughs> hey, oh. but you know what? I shout out to the homie and the head honcho here, uh, the captain Greg Demarco. My boy Greg is very. I'm gonna get a text message after he hears this. I know I am. He's gonna say the beauty of this is you doing what a fan's supposed to do. You are invested. Yes, Greg, I am. And they hitting that motherfucker better win. He better. He better. They want to or build I'm a gonna, star for the or, future. Or as Mr. As Mr. Helmsley once said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet. I damn sure am. Damn and right. You, and I'm gonna tweet from at it's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as a Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. I may tweet from Outsiders Edge C-S. And you know what? I may tweet from at Chairshot Media because that's the crew we rock with, journalism. Like that. And I mean, you can find me on Al Gore's internet at Dr. S'mores, where I will be liking and retweeting the things that Rance says, For not normal. actually tweeting myself. For normal. Uh, however, no matter where you find us, y'all, we here at the Outsider's Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything we can trying to make it out of here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with them important facts like rest in peace to Ring of Honor. You were an icon of this industry for an era that really needed it. And other times we're going to hit you with them necessary facts like Vince, you start your own fires, big dog. You can't be surprised when you smell that smoke. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams. And you've got to respect that. Because if you don't, well... Just like Sinclair, we sure don't give a fuck.
Too soon. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! Y'all hear the sounds of those sirens, that can only mean one thing. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Outsider's Edge podcast here on the Chairshot Radio Network. This is your boy, Mr. Kyle Moores, and I am joined, as always, by the Kenny to my Kota, Mr. Ray Cash. Rance Morris, how you doing, my brother? It has been an emotional week. It is going to further be an emotional week. It's going to be an emotional show. But in the meantime, just getting started. I'm doing pretty good, my man. You looking quite dapper. Well, actually, both of us are. Because you had to see me since I had my shit 
cut either. So I was gonna say you you look at all lined up. You know we here mm-hmm. at the Outsiders Edge believe in looking fresh. We don't always believe in you know not fucking up and posting our show regularly, but we do believe in always looking fresh. Thank you for bringing it up. The the elephant in the room is we recorded a whole ass show last week. As you're listening to this, I put last week's show before this one. So yeah, your boy fucked up. Uh, I was busy. I was busy. Had a very close friend of mine die. Had to go to a funeral. So I was very I was busy. But nonetheless, y'all get a double dose this week. Well, I mean, so you know, who's complaining? Well, no, I mean, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and they got to respect that. We tell them every week. Well, the person who created that uh, that that wonderful saying that we so eloquently and lovingly use. Really got some respect because uh, he got some smoke in his front yard that he's got to deal with. And we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that later. But, like, yeah, let's take a get big, some... Take a deep sigh. Take a deep breath. Yeah, I know. Let's get this work in again. Here we are again before a holiday. Again, at the height of an economic downturn. You know, again, the day of the investor call again, Again, the WWE out here, just, you know, cutting bait on a lot of these talents. And, you know, for the second round in a row, there were some names that were, you know, a little bit bigger than others. So I'm just going to go ahead and start, you know, listing off the names that got released and then we'll, we'll get into the bullshit we'll list them all and then we just talk about them ad nauseum or you want to go one by one let's list them all and we'll talk about them ad nauseum because there are some names that are real real like minor we wouldn't have a lot to say and then there are other names that we could talk about for a hot minute so yes sir we're gonna just you know in literally no particular order at all the people released in this latest round of releases um lince dorado grand Medellin. Geet Rama, Katrina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Zeta Ramir, Jesse Camilla, Oni Lorkin, Frankie Monet, Ava Marie, Harry Smith, Ember Moon, Nia Jax, Karrion Cross, and Scarlett Bordeaux, Mia Yim, and Keith Lee, and B Fab. Yeah. All shown the door. Huh. Um, I'm gonna start with Taya Valkyrie. Um, now that she's, you know, no longer with the E, we're gonna go back to giving her, you know, the name that she is best known for and the name that she tweeted out mm-hmm. immediately after this shit was over. Um, we'll start with Taya Valkyrie. I'm just gonna call Taya a net like a what could have been. In the mm-hmm. sense of, like, she was only there for a cup of coffee, and then she was out. Like, I, I'm not going to say that they missed the boat or that they didn't capitalize or whatever. I'm just going to say, like, she was there, and then she was gone. And I think that that's unfortunate, because, like, Taya can fucking go. And she's charismatic as fuck. And she's just great. So I think that's unfortunate. You won't say it. I will. They fucked up. Of there's we're gonna talk about some big ones that are just almost inconceivable. But I think the biggest 
fuck up of WWE out of those 18 people is Frankie Monet. Because she's the only one of these 18 who is a perfectly ready-made person. She was main roster ready from day one. And Because she was a Triple H hire, I get that that's just the path you go through. But she should have went to the main roster from day one, as you just said. But of everybody in this list, even Keith, they all are flawed in some way. Taya Valkyrie, a.k.a. Frankie Monet, is literally the perfect situation. She does fantastic character work. She is a really good wrestler in the ring. She can talk. She is experienced. She has been a locker room leader everywhere she's been, and she knows how to wrestle in front of TV. And so, and she's proven like to be durable from a from yeah. a bodily standpoint. Like yep. she has not had the, the style of wrestling that she does. She's very smart with the way that she wrestles. Like she has not had a lot of very very significant and serious injuries that have kept yep. her out for significant periods of time. Um, now I will say, you know, I think she is also the person who has the most readily obvious, like exit. I think she just goes right back to impact. Yeah. You know what? I got to say this though. It's disappointing to me that so many of these people left impact because they wanted the best situation. Now they got to go back and it's good. It's good for impact. They were treated well while they were there and impact has done well for other people recently, but it's a shame that it's like, it's, WWE or AEW or bust, you know, and that's and I know that's not quite what it is, but it feels like that because going back to Impact feels like a a downstep for me to them. I them. I agree, and you know we we have agreed uh, as a show that like shitting on Impact is almost like punching down at this point. So like you know we're not going to punch down, but I do agree it is kind of a step down. I think that like I. I am a big believer AEW shouldn't sign everyone. AEW can't sign everyone. I think AEW should sign Taya Valkyrie. I don't. I I, I think I Impact is a better fit for her because Impact does better by the women. But I, 100%. I don't think they should sign her for this one reason. Number one, there are more... Pe- the WWE formula doesn't work for AEW. By that I mean... WWE is looking for every star, every person they have to be a abject top level superstar. When sometimes you got to have a backup point guard, sometimes you got to have a, a a a second kicker. Everybody doesn't need to be a everybody doesn't need to be the, the 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 starting quarterback or the superstar receiver, right? And so, while the women's division still needs more stars. If you bring Taya Valkyrie in there with the time they give their women, that's just another person that's not going to be used coming from a place where she wasn't used. Kyle, she wrestled six matches in the six months or so she was there. Criminally unused. Criminally. And, and my biggest issue, well, and we'll, we'll talk about this as we go through more of these. I can understand having a yearly culling of people and letting them go and do better things because you're not going to use them. I can understand that. I never like for somebody to lose their job, but I think at some point it may be beneficial for both parties. But when you've cut people you literally just signed and, and forced to move across the fucking country to live in one city and you cut them within less than a year of their contract, then what the fuck was the point? That, that angers me so much. That people like her 
or Zay DeRamier or Trey Baxter, some of these people that just signed, right? Like Jesse Camille has been there forever. So you know what? If it was time, it was time. Only Lorkin wanted to go a couple years ago. If it was time, it was time. Jeet Rama, God bless him. He's been there three, four years. If it was time, it was it was time. But you cutting people who just you, you just signed. That's disrespectful to me. I agree. And like it's also, again, like you said, what was the fucking point of signing them in the first goddamn place? Now, really, this feels more like what it felt more like to me was they are just completely cutting bait with old NXT. Like anyone that they weren't going to put on the main roster that was old guard NXT got snip, snip, snip. And then Keith Lee, I mean, I think Keith got screwed over by his injury situation more than anything else because I think it killed his initial push and he never recovered from that. Um, Now, create a wrestler, you know, I don't know what went wrong with him. Maybe you can pontificate on that for me. So there's a couple of thoughts on on that. First and foremost, um, shout out to Kazim Familiwide, uh, a.k.a. Kaz. Uh, if you don't know Kaz, is Kaz used to write for WWE. He's uh, on the Mass Man Show with Kaz podcast. He's on Say Less with his own podcast, and he works for MSG. Uh, has a post-Rangers uh, and post-Nick show. Very, very big in the community. A uh, very prominent wrestling fan and wrestling undit, if you will. Uh, and he said something that was very illuminating to me. He said that Karrion Cross is a legit badass. And it may, it maybe it was him. I think it was him. Is a legitimate badass who can't look like a legitimate badass on screen. That was already a failure. But I think... Something backstage just didn't jive. I'm not, I don't. I don't think he was a problem. I nope. There's been no report he was a problem. But he did everything he was asked. But I don't know if Vince didn't believe in him, or if Karrion was was one of those people who did what the boss asked, but was audibly, visibly upset about it because he's tweeted or recently that you know he hated the fucking mask and being. Demolition's third member, apparently. And then I don't want to put conjecture in on air. But there was a report that four to six of the people released were released in some part because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And we know the history of Carrion and some of the beliefs that he has shown or 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 done. So if 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 would you be shocked if Carrion and Scarlet were two of the people that didn't want to get vaccinated? Man, white people doing stupid shit will never shock me. Well, that's that's the truest statement we'll say all fucking night. And I don't want to start. I don't want to start a rumor. I don't want to start any rumors. But I'm just trying to make sense of what the facts we know around us and what can make sense. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. I'm not one of the I people that the believes bigger, that he. Would. I think the bigger miss there wasn't even him. The bigger miss is Scarlet. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, and I. She is a huge miss, but I I am visibly bothered, literally and genuinely movably bothered by the rhetoric around Karrion Cross because everybody loved that dude before he got signed and everybody fucking turned on him the second he got signed. That bothers me. There's no consistency with that. I'm not just speaking about you. You never cared about the dude. 
Oh, I, but, I know. I know. Like, but literally, people were begging for Killer Cross to get signed. Triple A, Impact, coolest thing out there. But, and he gets signed, and everybody fucking hates him after that first match. And not because the match was bad. I don't know if it's because I don't of who even, he is as a person or what. I don't even think, but I don't think everybody hated him in NXT. Oh, yeah. They did. I mean, I think the issue, and I mean, it's always been my issue with him. And it's kind of building off of what was said there about him being a legitimate badass that doesn't come across as a badass. My issue with Karrion Cross has always been like, to me, he has never felt like the star of the show. And he was positioned as if he were, you know, his title run was portrayed in such a way as if he were the star of the show. And I'm just like, dude, you're like maybe the fifth or sixth biggest star on this show right now. And that's being generous. And a lot of that has to do with like, you have a badass presentation, yeah. like really great presentation. But if I look at the hierarchy of the environment within which you are existing, like at the time, because at the time he was in NXT, you still had all of Undisputed Era. So it's like Adam Cole, definitely higher up on this card than you. Um, Johnny Gargano higher up on this card than you. Tommaso Ciampa higher up on this card than you. Well, there's the Fatal Five where he had, where it was him, but then it was O'Reilly, Cole, Gargano, and Balor. No, and to be done. And, oh, yeah, but yeah. then you just also said Finn Balor was in NXT at the time. So yeah. it was just like Karrion Cross was positioned as a star, but he never felt like a star. And I think some of that is... What made his presentation badass in so much of, like, in almost every way, for me anyway, was Scarlet. And if Scarlet is what makes you badass and stand out, you do not strike me as the star here. She strikes me as the star, and you are her, like, her minion getting things done for her. It just so happens that you're being pushed as the actual wrestler here. And so, like, that was always the disconnect for me anyway, was just like, Mm. oh, yeah, so, like, you're supposed to be... And I think that it was a real disconnect because, you know, on the flip side, like, they immediately thrust Braun Breaker into this, like, I'm gonna be the star of the show role. And I instantly was just like, yes. Yes, you are gonna be the star of the show, sir. Yes. Uh... If anybody else would have gave me the argument, I wouldn't accept it. But because I know you and your love and affinity for Scarlet, it it makes sense the way you see it. And I don't think you're wrong. But I also think that the people who think Scarlet was the star of the show, people just that love Scarlet. Because if you watched very clearly, she was subservient. Very clearly, she watched every episode. But But you spoke about it. He was miscast. He was the star of the show, in my opinion. Not just from a presentation standpoint, but he beat... He had legitimate beef with management. He beat everybody down. But the problem is he came on a legacy. He came on a show with legacy people. He came on a show when all of the top people in the history of NXT, basically, were still there and were still loved. And he wasn't. And, you know, we're in this world now where we can't separate kayfabe from reality. So instead of that giving him more heat, that just made people not care about him. And then he legitimately was set up to fail on the main roster. 
Everything that made him work, they took, away, they took it away there. from him. No, absolutely agree there. They fucked him on the main roster. Mm-hmm. And I've always been of the belief that I understand it, and I'm going to tell you why. Understanding and liking ain't the same thing. But I've always been of the belief that I understood it because when Vince believes in you, he will put you through adversity that makes you massively uncomfortable to see if you can deal. If you can deal with that, then you'll be better out afterwards. And I'm going to give you a perfect example very recently. Bobby Lashley. Remember when he was bending over and making everybody kiss his butt? Remember Bobby Lashley's sisters? That is the worst segment in maybe the history of wrestling. And now look at him. Now look at Bobby Lashley. He had to go through that to earn Vince's trust that you'll play ball, and if I have an idea, you'll do it. No complaints, and make it work to the best of your ability. Just like the New Day. You have to prove Vince wrong. You have to do what Vince wants you to do and show him this don't work to get the opportunity to say, all right, well, what do you think is better? And I think that's why he does that. The problem is Vince also is a kid who has a toy box of 2,000 toys and gets tired of one after five minutes. Well, well, and again, nothing about Karrion Cross screams ooh shiny. Not if you take away all the stuff. Yeah. You know, when you take away the extra of the presentation, nothing about it screams ooh shiny. Especially I mean, when you make the first feud against Jeff Hardy. I, I think that was the great choice for the first feud, but you can't let him lose the first fucking match. When the whole point of his presentation was he's an undefeated killer. And then he loses his first match. About roll-up, I believe. Yeah, it was some ridiculous shit like that. Yeah, it was just a it was just a failure of, of massive proportion. But Scarlet is hyped to be free. Well, because and here like I understand it because she wants to wrestle. Yeah. WWE didn't want her to wrestle. They wanted her to be Cross's valet, which I also get because she's not a very good wrestler. I'll thank you for saying but, it. Yes. <laughs> oh no, she trash. She trash. Like Legitimately, like WWE was making the right decision in terms of like her best work is as a valet, but she she's like Lana. She wants to wrestle and she wants to be a wrestler. And it's like, oh, baby, this is not your calling. But like, I respect your want. I respect your willingness to put in the work and I respect your want to. Um, She did the indies for years, so she clearly cares about this business. She does, and, like, that was her whole thing about being excited is, like, first of all, they're back together again, but second of all, she wants to actually wrestle-wrestle. So, like, she's hyped to be able to wrestle again. And I'm just like, I mean, okay, baby, you ain't a good wrestler, but, I mean, do you. You're an interesting character. Well, and for the non-gay people uh, in this conversation. Oh, yeah, she got body, yaddy, 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 (laughs) yaddy. We will be watching. She said, the first thing she said, I think, was, she wants to have a hardcore brown panties match. I am far and gone away from the times where I need to see brown panty matches, but I will be paying money to see that match. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty sure that she challenged either Taya or Chelsea Green. I can't remember which one. Well, everybody like, was coming Ooh. out saying Vanessa Bourne came out and said she wanted to do that. And, you know, my love I mean, Vanessa Bourne. Uh, 
All right, all right. Down, boy, before I send you to horny jail. I mean, we could take a break and I can go handle my business with us. I mean, we could do that. But, like, before we do our break, do you want to talk about Mia Yim and Keith Lee? Because I have a lot to say about Mia Yim. Please. What was yours? I think it's bullshit. Not that she got released. I think her release was inevitable. I think it's bullshit that for... Almost a year now, aside from when she had COVID briefly, she was completely fucking healthy and ready to fucking go and there and just never used at all. Not even a squash match, not even a like occasional appearance on main event, like just not used at all. And that's fucking bullshit. You know, this is this is Vince's fault and only Vince's fault. But her career was doomed in the WWE when Mercedes Martinez said, "Nah, son, retribution ain't for me." I say that because very clearly the plan was for retribution to come up, whatever that situation was done. Cool, and they all go off and they become regular stars. That's why they picked individual stars from NXT that they knew could be singles people after it was over, right? You you don't pick Dijak and Mia and these people if you don't think that they can be something after this gimmick is over, right? But she was left out to dry for so long because Retribution was was basically, at one point, a group of, like, Six, seven, eight dudes and one woman. And then it became just four dudes and one woman. So it's not like she could ever work because all the guys were always in feuds with other guys and there were no women for her to work. What would be the point? And she'd be by herself if the whole point of retribution was gang warfare where she's by herself. So she basically was non-existent for the, non-existent for the entire time of retribution. And COVID happened. She was gone. She, God bless this woman. She gave up her opportunity because she was booked for the for the Royal Rumble. She was booked for the Royal Rumble and was booked in storylines after the Royal Rumble. And she said, "No, nah, I'm gonna take care of my husband." And that's, I think that's the dopest thing you could ever do as a human being. But she was always, she was always set up like carrying. She was set up to fail. Yeah, and it's just. It really kind of pisses me off. I think Keith is legitimately just, uh, they were going to push him, and then he had some health issues, and that happens. Like, that's fucking life. Um, And I think that by the time he came back, it didn't hit the way that they wanted it to, and they didn't give him a chance to really get this new thing going. They just cut bait. I've sent you... And the guys in our group chat that we have, the familiar, a seven-minute message the other day when I was driving home from work. Do you remember that? I do remember that you sent it. I will admit. I will admit that I was um, canoodling with my boyfriends at the time, and said that I would listen to it later. And then you know how a group chat goes. If you don't listen to it, wait two and a half hours. Twenty-five other messages have come. 
I re- I distinctly remember I started to listen to it because we were on our way to a movie and I heard you getting like real into it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sitting here in the car. I- let me just I'm going to pause this. I'll listen to this later. I'm, it's completely understood. Look, if it's if it's boyfriend time or listen to rants, boyfriend time. No qualms. But and I know you'll have some fun, interesting thoughts on this. So you'll if you'll indulge me for just a second. What this showed me more than ever was that wrestling isn't enough. And let me expound upon that. I understand that 90% of the people listening to this, more than that probably, are a card-carrying member of the IWC, where we care about work rate, we care about how you are in the ring. And the majority of us think that if you're a really good wrestler and you have really good matches, that should be enough to draw money. But in the world of WWE, that has been proven that it's not. Even the greatest wrestlers in the WWE have been given gimmicks that have allowed them to connect with the crowd, right? So Daniel Bryan does not become Daniel Bryan without the Yes movement. He's just another guy wrestling on the card. So Keith Lee is an anomaly. Nobody his size should be able to do the things he can do and wrestle the way he can wrestle. And he's a really good talker. But you know what the biggest problem is with Keith Lee? He's just a guy. There's nothing about him that's special other than his size and what he can do in the ring. And what you can do in the ring is not a gimmick. If you explain Keith Lee to somebody who did not watch wrestling, you can't say, oh, man, well, this dude, man, he, he's, he's a this and that. No, he's a big dude that can wrestle. That's literally what the limitless moniker means, that I go past what people think of what people's limits they put on me. That's not a gimmick, and that's not going to get you over in the eyes of entertainment. Wrestling will make you millions of dollars. Entertainment will make you billions of dollars. And with, with the exception of Frankie Monet, Teo Valkyrie, all of the people on this list were missing one thing. Whether it's they can't talk, whether they don't have a gimmick, whether they can't play a character, something about them was missing. And the, the other thing that they all do have is, damn near all of them are really good in the ring. Everybody's speaking good in the ring of, now. Speaking of, Biff Busick for IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Oh, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. And they're already doing, um, they just announced the, um, the Best of Super Juniors. Yeah. Give me Biff. Give me Biff. Biff versus Hiromu. Biff Biff it. versus fucking um what's his name? Um oh sh- uh, Ishimori. There we go. Could not think of his name to save my goddamn life. Watch out, because you know we still give deference to the Tongans. We don't all deference. All deference. No smoke. Um, but yeah, no. Biff Busick to the IWGP junior heavyweight division. Immediately. Or to, or to Bola, but you know he can do both. I mean, look, Bola, Bola's gonna be dope, but I, I can't care about PWG until they care about fucking having television. I mean, that is fair. Um, no, the real winner to whatever organization gets associated with Biff is um, the young ones that get to learn from him because, like. Talk about sit at the learning tree, children. Sit at the learning tree. He wants to start a wrestling school. 
Yeah, well, put throw your ones up for Biff Busick because we still love that man on this show for always and forever. Oh, yeah. Love me so, um, no, but we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills, y'all. We just want to close with some with one final thought here, which is just that we tell you every time this shit happens, WWE is a business, which means like all billion-dollar businesses, they are evil, and they are run by bad people generally. So, like... Don't be surprised when they do some shit that hurts your feelings because they don't care about your feelings. They care about your money. I was told very early, very, very early that you can't care about a company. I mean, care about what you do, but you can't care about a company because when they, when they need to, they'll get rid of your ass. The second, if you work and you die on the job, the next day they will replace your ass. Yep. Mm-hmm. So WWE They'll have counselors the available. They'll yeah. have grief counselors available and then interviews at 2.30. If we say, if we say when somebody shows you who, who you are, who they are, believe them, believe who WWE is. They've shown you this for 40 years, who they are. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're trash. These releases are trash. The timing of them, not even so much them happening, just the timing of them is so fucking trash. I am so sick and tired of these releases happening at the fucking holiday season. After the investor call, after you talk about how much money you've made, and it's just like, man, fuck y'all. You know but, how bold that is? That's you literally just sticking your dick out on the table and saying, do something about it. Literally. Yeah, like, it's just so fucking gross. So, you know, fuck them. We're going to go pay some bills, and then we're going to talk about Full Gear. Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Hey folks, listen up, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. Angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Y'all, thanks for helping us pay those bills. And like the ad said, if you enjoy this content that we provide for you here on the Chairshot Radio Network, make sure you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up some of that sweet, sweet merchandise like that hashtag journalism t-shirt. Get you what? that soft style because it feels so good on your skins. Um, it's the holidays. Treat yourself. Uh, speaking of, you know, treat yourself. So AEW's got a really big pay-per-view coming up. Are we going to treat ourselves to that show? I feel Fucking like we have yes. to. Yes. Well, no. Hold up. Before we preview the show, let's just say this off rip. Let's just say this off fucking rip. If Hangman don't win, we fucking riot. I hear Greg in my ear right now. I can hear him in my ear because Greg. Greg can kiss my ass with his bullshit and his long term whatever. Blah blah blah. Listen here. <laughs> you sit there. You sit there with your. 
different perspective with more knowledge on the subject than I have because you know more than me. That's fine. The story makes more sense this way. And if, you and if you don't crown him now, you ruin him for... You, you really ruin it. You really yeah. do. Look at what happened with Braun Strowman. Yeah, that, that was where I was going to go. I can hear him in my ears saying, it's cool to be a fan every now and then. And this is one of the few times... In fact, the reason I bring that up is because I was going to say, and I feel stupid saying this because I'm the one person who tries to tell people to think rationally, right? I feel like if Hangman loses, I'm done with AEW. Like, I feel like that. And that's crazy. Because everything else about the show is usually great. Yeah, but it would be such, it's because it would be such a betrayal. Of all of the investment that you've put in, like they've they've like reunited him with the Dark Order and like righted that wrong, and it's just like you have to crown him now. You have to, please. Like, and I will stand by what I said on the last time show that we talked about this. Your first reign doesn't have to be super fucking long. I'm not saying he has to become the champion and hold the belt for the next, like, six months to a year. He can become champion, hold the belt for, like, two or three months, and, like, at their next big, you know, themed event, drop the title. At the New yeah. Year's themed event, drop the yeah. title. He's going like, to prove that he can win it. Exactly. Let him prove that he can win it. Crown him. Make him, you know, a made main eventer. Because right now, he is at that point where, like, AEW doesn't necessarily have a glass ceiling yet because they haven't existed long enough to have a sure. real glass ceiling yet. But, mm -hmm. like, he is at that proverbial glass ceiling of upper mid card versus main eventer. Like, yeah. He, he's always there. He's kind of on that cusp. Like, oh, I could buy this. I could buy this. But every time it feels like he's put in this sh position, he loses. So, like, shit or get off the pot. Well, look, let's go to the card. Because clearly we're going to say that for last. I'm pretty sure you guys can guess who we are uh, predicting will win. But we'll get there. Yeah. Um. I'm starting from the bottom of the card, of course, as I always do. Championship matches last. So at the starting, I got to give AEW credit. Most of the times, the, the matches on the card that are not for championships feel like filler. Their three matches don't feel like filler. We're going to start with Darby Allin versus MJF. I think they have built this well. And the four pillars, right? Whenever four, any of the four hook up, it's always feels like somewhat of a big deal. Go ahead. I think the reason that these four matches don't or these matches don't feel like filler, this is the advantage of a four pay-per-view a year structure. Great point. Great point. This is the real advantage of we only run four pay-per-views a year. So when we run a pay-per-view and we have seven matches, all seven have legitimate storylines that we've been building for a long ass fucking time. Now, that being said, it's hard for me to bet against that bastard Darby Allen as much as I fucking hate him. Um, it's hard to pick against him, but the reason I'm going to pick MJF is, the reason I'm going to pick MJF is, 
the new champion is going to need a challenger. And the new champion is pretty hardcore babyface. So your top heel. I hate doing this to you. You know there's uh, world championship number one contender tournament finals on the same card. Yeah, and? AEW is is notorious for you win a number one contender something or other and you just get the match on like Dynamite next week. You're right. But the two people involved in the match, I doubt they do that with them. I mean, they they won't do it if it's Daniel Bryan, but they damn sure will do it if it's Miro. (laughs) We'll get to that later. So, but your reasoning is valid. MJF on the cool has probably lost two or three matches total since he's been in them. in AEW, he lost the title match to Moxley. He lost Jericho to Jericho. I can't remember him losing in a singles match any other time. I can't either off the top. But, I mean, the only singles match I can recall Darby losing was when he lost the TNT title to Miro. Well, he's lost a, he's lost a lot more than that, but he had a run that was crazy. You remember he lost to Punk. He lost to Cody a couple times. So he's Darby – will, Darby will definitely – Darby does not need to win because he's over. Baby faces don't always have to win when they're legitimately over. And uh, I think the, the I think the story will breed itself better to continue to give Max something to talk about. Oh yeah, like he's a cocky prick, and a cocky prick is only effective if a cocky prick has shit to like lord over everybody. So I'm going with MJF. Is it fair? You going with him too? Oh yeah. So. You know what? I want to talk about this match last before we get to the other championship matches. So I'm, I'm going to save Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, we have a Falls Count Anywhere trios match because, you know, they're not six mans over there, the trios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between um, the Jurassic Express, so that's uh, Jungle Boy and the Dinosaur. I will never call him by his other name. And Christian Cage against the Super Click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. I'm just so glad that they don't let Marco stunt wrestle. Um, like, I like Marco. <laughs> I like Marco. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like Marco. It's just that, like, he is in no way, shape, or form believable as an opponent of anyone. And if this is the company that wants to bill itself as the believable company and the sports-based company and wins and losses matter and blah, 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 Um Nah, Marco's just, like, a mascot. So, like, there's that. But, like, you know, I want Jurassic Express to win, but, like, I just feel like the super click is gonna. This is the one of the rare times in AEW where a feud has gone too long. Normally, yep. feuds, they cut them off too early. Yo, the, the, the elite... And Jurassic Express and Christian Cage have been going on way too long for my liking. So yep. I feel like this is the final uh, the final countdown. No pun intended. Um, and Adam Cole don't lose. Why would you let him lose? Why the fuck would you let him lose? Because you're real fucking dumb. And I don't think they're that stupid tonight. Or this weekend, that night. Nope. Nope. Gotta build that. Yeah, we're we're going super click because I got to build Adam up so that when Adam and Kenny feud over the loyalty of the Bucks, they're both hot. Right up, like and step, my brother. Um, here's another one I think we both agree on. 
a match that could have been interesting, but they made it too gimmicky for me. The Minneapolis street fight between the inner circle, and that is all five members, Jericho, Guevara, Hager, Santana, and or I love the way uh your boy, uh not your boy, I hate that dude, but what's his name? Justin Roberts. I love the way he says Ortiz. Ortiz, I love that shit. Versus Men of the Year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and American Top Team members, Junior Dos Santos, Andre Orlovsky, MMA fans know about Andre Orlovsky, and Dan Lambert got thrown in a match. That's what sets me off. That's what bothers me. Because clearly now, this is comedy. Because this dude is 60 plus years old and he can't bump. He's going to take one big, one or two big bumps. Uh, honey, honey, have you been paying attention to the feud? It's been comedy from the go. You're right. But normally when AEW does comedy in the storylines, at least the matches turn out to be somewhat legitimate. And had you put anybody else in here, you clearly can't put Mads at all. But I mean, I'd have been cool with them putting Paige Van Zandt. She wanted the match. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the same thing about this that I say about every full-on inner circle match. What a waste of Sammy Guevara, and of Proud and Powerful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're making that up for Sammy because TNT champ. He's getting a lot of shine here, but yeah, Quentin Ortiz yeah. should have been champs a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Facts. So I'm just like, ooh, this is such a waste of these wonderful performers. But you know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. I'm picking Men of the Year. I mean, I'm picking men of the year for sure because, like, you got because of American Top Team. Like, I just feel like this. Anytime you bring in a celebrity performer, I'm inclined to believe the celebrity's going over. If it's so, if I was, if I knew for a fact that this would be their swan song and they're gone, I would pick the Encircle. But I don't think they're gonna be gone for a while. And also, much like Max. If Dan Lambert loses this match, he has nothing to talk about. And they love to let that motherfucker talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you agree with that too? Oh, I, t- I said I was picking men of the year, yeah. Damn, I knew we were going to think differently in that match. Okay. Um, And um, we spoke about it a little earlier. I, I really want to give time to Kingston and CM Punk. So, but we spoke about this earlier, uh, the World Title Eliminator Tournament Finals. Ryan Danielson versus thanks to Moxley and his fan- fantastic thought to go get help. Good for you, Mox. Uh, Miro has now made it to the finals. Danielson and Miro, we were seeing Brian versus Rusev, but that's not Danielson versus Miro. Not by a long shot. Well wishes to Mox. Um, it takes uh, it takes a lot of courage to admit that you need help. Yep. Well wishes. Um as far as who wins the match, I mean, you know, I want to pick Danielson because it's the obvious answer, but I feel like Miro's the better choice. I agree with, I agree with your thought process, and I think it directly relates to who wins the main event. Yeah, so I'm going to pick Miro so that our, our so that our new Lord and Savior Hangman Page can have a, cha- a challenger worthy of his divine power. That's what I'm thinking. God's favorite champion. That the Redeemer is such a dope idea. God, what, but what? It's so good. It's so good. But I so this is going back to the conversation we had about Hangman a couple weeks ago, which was fantastic, by the way. One of my favorite conversations we've had in a long time. 
The Redeemer just reminds me, before we get to that, the Redeemer just reminds me of my original thought when Rusev got released the first time. It's just like, how do you miss the boat on this? Like, this man is so over in perpetuity and gets everything over. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's and he'll do anything to get over. Yes. Um, and he can go, and he's fucking huge. And he can talk clearly. He can talk. It's it's yeah, it's a failure of all. Of, of, that's a uh, massive failure. Uh, but continue. This is where you have to. The rubber hits the road on. Do we do what's best for critical acclaim and our fans, or do we do what's best for the bottom dollar? Because I love Hangman and. I, I want our Lord and Savior to win and reign. Let his reign be for be long and, and prosperous. But Danielson versus Omega for the championship are gonna sell tickets. I don't know if Miro versus versus Hangman is going to sell the amount of tickets that Danielson versus Omega will. Danielson versus Omega will get ratings. I don't know that that Bryant that um Miro versus Hangman will get the same amount of ratings and interest that Danielson versus Omega one more again for the title will get. And that is the walk that Tony Khan has to make. I mean, I am still going to stick with Miro. Me too. But, I'm, but I mean, that, I'm just saying that's. I mean, so like you're also, but I mean, make. you're also, but I mean, you're also making, we, we are also making it out to be an either or, like you could also just go with Danielson versus Hangman. Like that is a thing you can do. Yeah, I guess that is possible, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Yeah, like, I mean, that is a thing that can be done, you know, that in this company where, you know, wins and losses matter. Because okay. they're not sports entertainment. Shout out to the shout out to the rankings, where the number one contender doesn't always get the championship match. Um, and and I'm 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 being cheeky here. The, the rankings are actually they have tried to make the best out of out of it as they can. Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk. Have yeah, so Eddie's it? got a Players Tribune article, man, and it's like really fucking long, but like, damn, it. It teared me up. It was fucking beautiful. And what I love about it the most is he wrote it like he talks. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't think Eddie knows how to do it any other way. And, and that's why I love him. Because he is, we we as fans stupidly always feel like, oh, man, well, that's, the, they're, that's how they really are. No, Eddie Kingston is not a gimmick. That's who the fuck he really is. Like other that, people, yeah, but that's really him. Now, that being said, I think the match itself is probably going to be me. Well, Eddie Kings is not great in the ring, and that's okay. And so talk as long as you talk me into paying to watch you. Really don't have to. Really don't have to make the match great, and that's sorry, but it's true because you got my money. But have you seen the promo that they had on Rampage last week? Nah, I ain't seen it from last Rampage from last week. Oh my God, that may be the best promo that AEW's had in a year. I mean, I believe it. They both are good on the microphone. Long story short, you do you know the reason they're feuding? Something to do with Mox, isn't it? No, so let me. It's important to me because I like this. Is, I don't watch Rampage, so like. Sure, I sure, idea. sure. Um, this is what's selling me on the pay per view besides Hangman is this match. Um, Mox, not Mox, Kingston lost. Excuse me to Danielson in the title in a title tournament. 
and I guess he feels like he didn't he like he was robbed or didn't get his just due. So, you know, he's uh punk is backstage being interviewed by Shivani and Kingston is throwing a fit backstage. And Punk stops the interview and is looking to see what's happening. And then Kingston comes up to him, they talk shit, and Punk says some shit to him to his face. And then bing bang boom. Punk calls him out on dynamite. Kingston isn't there. So on Rampage, Punk comes out, Kingston comes out to confront him. Now, it it's a beautiful promo between two of the best promos of, of this generation. And Kingston talks about how the reason he wasn't at Dynamite was because he thought he had COVID. And, you know, his best friend is Moxley. He just had a new brand new baby and didn't want to be around his best friend to get him sick. So, you know, forgive him for giving a fuck about people. And Punk was like, oh, OK. But the promo goes into and I normally don't like meta promos. Outside of the moment, because they don't help anything or anybody. But my, but um, Kingston talked about when he was a young boy coming up in Ring of Honor. Punk. Homicide, all the top Joe, all the top guys, and and uh, Ring of Honor looked down on him, but particularly Punk, because he was a little different. He was fat. Um, he was a bit abrasive, and he never forgot how Punk, who could have done anything to help him or you know at least treat him well, didn't treat him well, and he's like, I see through you. And he even said to his face, Nobody wants you here. Everybody in the back is lying to your face. They just don't have the balls to say it to you, but I do. Punk shot back by saying, you know what? You're right that I did that to you back in the day and I treated you like that. But you acting like it's just me. It was all of us. It was Joe. It was homicide. It was Danielson. It was all of us. We did that. and I did that because I saw so much potential in you. But you couldn't deal with the potential and you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't live up to who we thought you were going to be. So I what you expect me to do. And then he went on, they went on to go back and forth. And Kingston was like, fight me, fight me, fight me at full gear. And he was like, well, full gear may be a little too high for you. Maybe we should do something more your speed, like dark or elevation. (laughs) Fucking cold as shit. And then the whole time, Eddie Kingston has a preacher-esque level of controlling the crowd because he was talking and the crowd's popping. And he's like, hold up, calm down. I'm, give me a minute. Let me finish this. And the crowd just shut the fuck up. And Punk's trying to do old school WWE 1990 babyface moves. What do you think, St. Louis? Do you want to see that? And it, it, it literally mimicked the promo between Cena and Punk going into Money in the Bank with John being the older company shield guy and Punk being the new brash babyface who's trying to get to that level because when punk said something john didn't like to the level john punched him punk headbutted eddie and then they went on they proceeded to have the wwe standard brawl where they break them up and then one person jumps in and starts fighting they break them up another person jumps in they start fighting people come from the back anyway long story short it's one of the best promos aw's done maybe ever and I'm here for it. And Eddie Kingston once again sells a match better than Tony Khan can sell his goddamn self. You know, Eddie Kingston's like if the Brooklyn Brawler could cut promos. And I say that because Eddie Kingston gonna come out there, he gonna sell the shit out this feud, he gonna make you love it, and then he gonna do that sweet job staring at the lights. 
He going GTS and he out. Yeah, and it's, it's he he really truly is Tommy Dreamer. Oh yeah, Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, he's genuinely Tommy Dreamer. Only Just hopefully a better form. human. Well, everything we know about him, he's Eddie. He King, seems to be a better human, but I'm. But you know, it's still hope. I have hope, and what makes me believe he's a good human is because good humans don't admit their flaws. I mean, bad humans don't admit their flaws. He admits all of the fucked up shit he's done, you know, and I appreciate that he's aware of who he was and who he is now. But I, I love that man so much. Yes, CM Punk is going to win this match. CM Punk probably should win this match. But oh, I mean, man, I love I Eddie Kingston. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, man. That that shit sold me on the show. So, right, shout out to Eddie Let's get into these title matches. Yeah, shout out to Eddie Guinness to give a fuck because uh, a couple of these matches I don't give a fuck about. And Facts. I mean, anytime you got the Lucha Brothers versus FTR, it's a fun match. And they actually have some story behind it if you don't know. FTR. Yeah, down in AAA. Yes, they snuck, they, they, they snuck out a way to essentially steal the AAA Tag Team Championships thanks to Andrade's help. But uh, yeah, the AEW World Tag Team Championships between the Lucha Brothers and FTR. And FTR probably is the best tag team in the world right right this moment. Who you got? I mean, I am going to take FTR in this moment. Hmm. Because I don't think the feud is over, and I think the feud will end with Lucha Brothers having both sets of titles. Okay. Um... You may not know, but someone, if you tweet me, Triple Mania is when? In December? I'm not positive, but why don't you talk about your thoughts while I get us a date for Triple Mania? Thank you, sir. Um, I'm inclined to believe the Luchas win because I can see them having a ladder match to merge the championships or for both sets of championships. Triple Mania was in August. Oh, so they had it already. Yeah. That's right, because Andrade brought Ric Flair out. Okay, you're right. Um, and Andrade is supposed to be Kenny Omega, but they didn't let him win it. Yes, I remember now. Eh, that makes me feel a little different. I think I'm still going to pick the Luchas. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the prospect of, not a unification necessarily, but both belts being on the line is too um, appealing. For both companies. So I'll go with the Lucha Brothers. And nobody puts over a tag team better than FTR. <laughs> I mean, that's facts. That is facts. They will they will do a job well. I got a question for you, sir. Yeah. I know Rick Baker. Go ahead. D M D. Well done, sir. Is probably one of the most over women in, in the business. Maybe it's had one of Easily has had one of the best years. Oh, for sure. For sure. But have we reached a point where she needs to lose the championship? Big time. Okay. Is she losing versus Tay Conti? And God bless Tay Conti. But I, oh, I'm Tay Conti. Probably Conte's not, not baby team. girl. Like, no, probably not baby girl. So who do you see her losing to? Ooh, but no, no, before you ask that question, ask that question. Is the person you see her losing to on that roster right now? That's part of why it's tough. I'm not sure. 
I think so. I think number one, it's going to depend on who wins the TBS tournament. Okay. Because like that, that matters. Um, but number two, I don't know that they're necessarily on the roster right now. Like, I don't know if AEW is going to sign any of these women that are like available. Um, but I do know it's damn sure not going to be Tay Conti because if she was going to lose to someone associated with Dark Order, she would lose to Anna Jay. Yeah. Even um, though Tay Conti's a better wrestler. Yeah, that is facts. That is facts. Um, of the other women on the roster, I'm not sure because she's fucking beat everybody. That's the problem with these long-ass title reigns. And you can throw Roman in there, too, when you beat everybody. You got to figure out who's next. And and the thing is, I don't think that any of the women ha- like have any kind of particular momentum at the moment. No, they don't. You're right, which is why Tay Conti got the spot, because she's the only one who had some. Yeah, so... I still think, Thunder's the, I think still Thunder Rose is the right call, but I don't think they'll make it. I think Thunder's probably the right call, but I don't know that she has enough momentum to be put there right now. Oh, it'll be a minute before she gets to that spot. If, if Which is another reason why I'm thinking that they might, like, bring in a woman who's more, <laughs> like, ready-made. Like, that's why Atea would be a good signing for them, because, like, that bitch is ready-made for television on day one and is ready-made to be that bitch on day one to just so, walk the fuck in or sign one of the Ring of Honor women. Got you one better. And remote. I'm sorry, Athena now. Yeah, but that's what I'm... But yeah, that'd be another great one. You know, somebody who she is already ready day one for television, off rip. You know she can go. You know she's got star power. She comes in. She unseats Britt Baker that, like... Sets her up automatically. You are, I think, a champion is only as good as the challengers, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's hurt Britt Baker's title reign to me is she hasn't had the greatest challengers. And um, I think that's a a lingering byproduct of it took AEW forever to give any of the women time. Yep, yep, yep. And they've she's had all of the championship matches have been good. So mm-hmm. really good. It's just with all respect, Chris Dattland is not a person that should be main eventing shows for the title. No, no, N- not now. Maybe she's young. She's got time, but she she's not there yet for me. Like stuff like that. Yeah, Ty no. Conti is fantastic, but I just don't see Ty Conti co-maining a pay per view for no. the world championship. I, not I'm at all. Sorry. Um, but you know who I can see main event a pay per view for the championship. Uh, our boy, Hangman Adam Page. So we clearly we you pick Hangman, I pick Hangman. That's not the interesting part. No, the interesting part of this conversation is how does this match go? That is truly the interesting part. Um, I think that it wouldn't be a this version of Kenny Omega match without chicanery. And so I think that, you know, this has to inevitably... I feel like this has to inevitably go with some variation of the formula of 
the elite tried some bullshit and then the dark order comes out to negate the elites bullshit. And so then it's just down to Kenny and hangman together. And like Kenny turns the, or hangman turns the table on Kenny or like slips out of a one winged angel or some shit. Let me hit you. Hit me. the same for you. The elite comes out. Adam Cole, Young Bucks. They hit a Meltzer driver on him. Adam Cole hits him with the last shot. I'm sorry. Uh, the boom, whatever it's called. Um, and we think, hey, man's done. Kicks out. Dark Order comes out. Breaks it up. You're right. We get Hangman versus Kenny. Finally, no frills. They go back and forth. Hangman hits a buckshot. Kenny kicks out. Go a few more minutes. Hangman has slipped out of the one-winged angel all night. And Kenny hits Hangman with the one-winged angel, and everybody knows that's it. That is the most protected finisher in the business besides end of days. And Hangman is the second human being, the first in America to kick out of the one-winged angel. So you think they let him, you think they let him Okada? It's got this, and Okada never kicked out of the one with Angel, but Bushi did. Damn. Yeah, Okada never kicked out of it. The, that that was the beauty of that of that feud, is that, oh, like everybody, if, if Kenny would have, that's the reason Kenny felt he was better because the one time he hit it, he won a fucking match. But yes, that is what. If you are going to let this shit happen the way it should, that has been the build for this entire fuck. You don't, much like Undertaker's undefeated streak, you only have a streak so it can be broken. You only have a protected finisher so that when it's finally, somebody kicks out of it, it matters. Right? I mean, I'd love to see it. I just don't know if I think that they'll do it. I would love to see it. I just don't know if they'll do it. I'll tell you this. If Hangman wins and they don't let him kick out the one with Angel, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. Because that is how you make a superstar. He kicks out the one with Angel. He hits a buckshot, probably the second of the night. Oh, no, I think at that point he'll hit him with the last call. You think he'll bring bring it back? Okay. Because he's used it once in the recent past. You're right. I think that'll be I think that'd be a nice bow on this whole situation. And then can you just I want you to just see it in your see it in your head. Hangman finally beats at, um Kenny Omega, vanquishes the 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 belt collector, the the best bout machine. Is, confetti is raining, fans are crying and happy, and the dark order comes in the ring and embraces him. Like I will be crying like a baby. Join the Dark Order, because we have juice. <laughs> I wanted it to happen so bad. Ever. I wanted it to happen so bad, but you know what? V-Trigger, Woman Angel, and we're going to see y'all next week. I mean, I'm going gonna to cling to the fantasy and hope that TK doesn't hate me like Ghetto does. <laughs> Oh man, I still have nightmares of fucking Wrestle Kingdom. 
Yo, I still remember us getting on this show after that Wrestle Kingdom. And I just spending that entire episode shitting on Ghetto. I need you to understand. Y'all listening. If Hangman does not win. This, we this are going to have the, the Burn epic. It Down episode. Oh my god. It's going to be the most epic episode. I'm serious. We may do it live. It is going to be the greatest episode ruin, ever. How to ruin a champion in less than 10 steps. Oh, okay. But yes, I, I, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. Or the juice, as you said, with because of Dark Order. I got Hangman Adam Page winning, and you do as well? Yes. Oh, um, boy. It's going to be... It'll be a show. I think it'll be a good show. Mostly. Um, I'm curious to see what they end up putting on the buy-in. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no match, there's no card match shows. There, yeah, there's nothing that's been announced, and the buy-in is normally when they love to throw some, like, surprise debut bullshit or whatnot. Um, you know, granted, there's literally no one that they could bring in at this point that would make the impact that, like... The Danielson punk announcement did. Well, there's one, but he's he's Bray Wyatt's making a movie right now. I was gonna say he's off filming a film, you know. So, um, but no, y'all, all 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 we'll say in closing on Full Gear is if you're interested, which you should be, because the buildup has been very good. Um, pay for it with your actual money. Please Sup- uh, support the shows that you say you care about. Um, and if you're a fan housing, buy some merch from Dan housing so that he can pay off that evil doctor. I'm with it. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Dan housing. No, very good. Very evil. Is that how he says it? Yeah. Very nice. Very evil. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm still learning the ways of the Dan housing. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but anyway, y'all. In the meantime, good brother Rance, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at Hangman Page Better Win This Motherfucking Match This Fucking Weekend. Also at Israel Cash, R-Y-Z Mysterio, C-A-S-H-S and dollars. You can find me at If Hangman Don't Win, We Fucking Riot. And at Dr. Schmores. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. We are part of the Chairshot Radio Network at Chairshot Media, where you always make Hangman Page win this fucking match at the end of the show and use your head. And remember, y'all, we here at the Outsider's Edge are just some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can to try to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with those hard and fast truths like releasing people during the holiday season is fucking trash. Hangman Page. And other times, we're going to hit you with that word you need to hear, like, you better crown Hangman Page as your next champion. Hangman Page. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and you've got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, just like Ghetto don't respect your feelings, we sure don't give up. Ah! Hangman Page. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next time. Cowboy shit. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 